You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, at long last, because we've been gone for quite a while. Um, belated Happy New Year to everybody. It's our first episode of 2016, even though it's, uh, you know, we're well into February now. But, uh, yeah, welcome back. Uh, this is obviously Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on... Um, well, we don't really have much news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Seven now that it's out. Um, but, you know, The Force Awakens, Episode Eight, Rogue One, all that uh, exciting stuff coming up in the Star Wars universe. Um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Yes, it's great to be back to talk Star Wars again. I think if we waited any longer, some of our listeners might have to start looking for some star maps to find out if we went <laughs> off and hit a planet. <laughs> But we're back now, so nobody has to do that. The people who knew us best think we went looking for the first Jedi podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, what a journey that would be, though. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, we don't have but... long beards right now. At least I don't. So. <laughs> yeah, mine's not that long. Um, no, I mean, I, I felt like it would kind of just be good to take a little break for a little while after The Force Awakens came out since we'd been talking about it so much. And obviously we don't record as frequently as some other podcasts do, but when we do, we record for about twice as long as a lot of other ones do. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a pretty intense last few months there. And then, uh, you know, it felt good to kind of just... Uh, watch the movie a few times, let it all sink in and not have to worry about reporting everything. But then right around the time when it started feeling like, um, you know, okay, we should, you know, it's been a while, we should get in there and record a new episode again. Then I was sick for a couple weeks and I've got a girlfriend now, so I haven't had as much free time for all this kind of stuff as I usually do. And so, um, yeah, it's been a busy past month or two, but here we are again, finally talking some more Star Wars. Um, Tim, how many times have you seen The Force Awakens by now? Right now, it's not as, my number is not as big as I know other fans are. Right now, I'm at four. I want to get to number five. I just haven't been able to get my butt to a theater in the last few weeks, but I definitely want to get one more showing in before it leaves and then get to experience all we want on Blu-ray. But right now I'm still at four. Yeah, I'm like, how do you have you how have you only seen it four times when you're probably going to own like five copies of it on DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> knowing you? I don't, hey, if they released it on VHS, I would get that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would not surprise me. Um, 
Yeah, I'm up to, uh, I believe, seven times now, actually. Oh, um, see, that's appropriate. That's a good number to end it on. <laughs> well, see, except that's tied for my record for the most number of times I've ever seen a movie in a theater. Um, and so I kind of want to see it one more time just so I can say Star Wars holds the record. Because um, episode three was my record for a long time with five. And then I saw Avatar seven times and I've seen The Force Awakens seven times. Um, but I, I think, think Kyle, you're, you're part of the reason why The Force Awakens won't overtake Avatar worldwide. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> Now, nah, blame it on China. It didn't make as much money there as they were hoping it would. Yeah, that's true. I mean, heck, it's we've all been doing our part here. It is now the highest grossing movie of all time in North America. Um, and Which it, I've been waiting for that news since like about 1998 when Titanic <laughs> overtook Star Wars A New Hope after the special edition re-release. And finally, we got the title back for domestic uh, highest grossing movie. Which, I mean, you want worldwide, you want all the records, but... Growing up during that era, that's all you came, mainly heard about was the domestic record, not too much worldwide. So I'm happy with Star Wars being back number one on the domestic title. So that was definitely good news over the course of the Force Awakens run. Yeah, it's I mean, and it shot up to that record within like a couple of weeks. Um, it was insane. Um, and let's see, I mean... I think Avatar's record was like 760 million and not only has Star Wars beat that but it now is um I think like very it nine, right? it, it's very close to 900 million. I think if it hasn't passed that yet then it will this weekend for sure. Um in fact I'm going to pull up boxofficemojo.com right here and see where we're at. Man, it would have been um, awesome if it were able to do a billion just here in the US. That awesome. Dude, that's what I thought. Like I thought for sure that was going to happen, but obviously it slowed down and, um, you know, there are other movies coming out that people want to go see and stuff. But, um, yeah, let's see. As of right now, Box, Box Office Mojo has The Force Awakens sitting at 898, $898 million, um domestic as of right now. So, yeah, like I said, if it can pull in another $2 million this weekend, which doesn't seem hard yeah. at all um <laughs> i think last week it made 10 so i don't think it's gonna yeah. drop just to two yeah exactly um so yeah it's it's definitely gonna end up crossing the 900 million mark in the states and the 200 billion or the sorry the 2 billion <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah 200 billion um no it should also easily cross the 2 billion mark uh worldwide so yeah, in no way is this movie a failure financially, <laughs> even if it oh, didn't absolutely break not. the ultimate records. Which is kind of funny because certain like sites, I don't even know really the name of it, mainly like financial or business type sites saying how The Force Awakens is kind of like limping to two billion. I mean, how can you even say limping into two billion? What other movies <laughs> have made it to two billion? Right? Like, come on, there's <laughs> like. So many high expectations, I guess, some analysts had where it should have been the biggest movie of all time. And if it's not, then that means it's a failure. I mean, come on, you can't think like that going in for any movie. So in no way is this movie, and I think Disney and Lucasfilm are going to view it as a failure. That's definitely not happening. Oh, absolutely not. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's a certain thing to be said for, like, these kind of franchise genre movies. Like, there are certain people that, you know, are really into them like us. Um, and obviously, I mean, I don't, I'm sure I know some people who haven't seen the force awakens yet, but like almost everybody, it seems like has seen this movie now just because it was such a huge mm -hmm. cultural thing. Um, 
but I don't know. There was just something unique about Titanic and Avatar and just like the times that they came out. And I mean, something that drew people to those movies and the fact that they were in theaters for so long and, you know, people went to see them over and over again. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because Star Wars is already like part of a franchise, people have kind of made up their minds already about, you know, whether they like it or not, or whether they're going to, whether they're going to go see it or not. Um, whereas I think with Titanic and Avatar, it was kind of just one of those things where you don't really know what to expect, but it's like, everybody's talking about it and everybody just has to go see it. Um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of how the original Star Wars was back in 77. And that's why if you adjust for inflation, I think Star Wars is still like the second highest grossing movie of all time behind Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously ticket prices were lower back then, but if that's kind of accounting more for like number of tickets sold. Um, so yeah, obviously, like you said, nobody is doubting that this was a a huge financial success. Um, and yeah, it is kind of, I mean, if you want to say limping along, you know, it's kind of towards the end of its run now and it's not, you know, topping the box office every weekend, but still making a decent amount of money. And, um, yeah, like you said, you you can say they're limping to 2 billion, but they're still getting to $2 billion and that is nothing to sneeze at. I know. How many other movies have done that? Just two. Just two. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Highest grossing movie of all time domestically and you know, number three on the all time worldwide chart, I would say that is, you know, a success in anybody's book. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. I don't remember everything we talked about with the movie on our last episode because we got so in depth with it and, you know, obviously spent like three hours talking about it. But um I don't know, any uh any new thoughts in, you know, times two through four that you've seen it, you know, anything new that you noticed uh, or, you know, any opinions change or anything from uh, when we first talked about it? Well, not so much as far as things that I've noticed, but one thing each viewing, I, I wanted to make sure I heard all the voices that were in the force vision that Ray had, because in the very first one, I barely heard anything. I was just kind of going, Oh man, what's going on? Okay. What's, what's she seeing? Then the second time I heard Yoda, and I didn't hear Obi-Wan or Luke. But then on the third one, I did hear Obi-Wan where he says, Ray, these are your first steps. And I didn't hear Luke scream uh, no from The Empire Strikes Back. And on my last viewing that I saw, I heard Luke say that. And then I can now say I've heard every person's <laughs> line of dialogue in that Force Vision sequence. So I was happy about that. And it all sounded and looked amazing. That sequence is one of my favorite parts of the movie. But as far as opinions changing on it, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this is a flip-flop, but after seeing it four times, and on our episode where we talked about it, I said Kylo Ren probably was my favorite character of the movie, and he left the biggest impression on me. But that might be changing to Ray after seeing it four times, and then just reading some of the books that have come out, like the Before the Awakening and her story, some of the stuff in the visual dictionary and what I'm reading in the novel. It's just adding more stuff to a character that's making me like her more and more and just the journey that she's taking. So, um, see, I don't know if she quite overtakes Kylo Ren just yet, but they're, my, they're probably tied, I would say. I just love both characters so much. But the more I see the movies, the more I just come to love Rey as a character. So she's one who's probably made a bigger leap as far as characters that I've enjoyed and almost at the top spot. So those are probably few things that have changed since I've seen it four times, but a lot of it has to do with some of the stuff I've been reading in the books. So that's what I wanted from that stuff too, just to add to it and add to your enjoyment of the movie when you see it. Cause 
part of the times or out of the four times that I saw it in theaters, um, I was actually reading like part of Before the Awakening and a little bit of the novel going, you know what? This makes me want to see the movie again. I'm going to go see it right now. <laughs> so just getting that feeling is really cool just to be at home taking in more Force Awakens content and then being able to just to go to the theater and see it. It's just that's what I was hoping for when I'll, we were talking about getting all this stuff and having a new Star Wars movie in theater. It's been awesome. It's been everything I hoped it would be. So been one happy Star Wars fan in the month of December and January. It's like couldn't ask for it to be any better. Yeah, definitely. I have to say I haven't gotten a chance to read Before the Awakening or the novel yet, but I have gotten the visual dictionary and the art of The Force Awakens, which, by the way, that art book is freaking fantastic. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, like so much stuff in there. And I mean, I especially love flipping through the early pages because once you get to like probably the second half of the book, then you start seeing things more sort of take shape into like how the finished movie actually turned out. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing, um, you know, different concepts of Kylo Ren's mask and Ray's speeder and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I love just like the early concepts of just different ideas that they had. And, you know, obviously tons of stuff that either didn't make it into the movie or changed over the course of production. Um, but just seeing like all these different ideas that are so out there, like at one point, um, you know, there's something where they go to like Endor and um, salvage like wreckage from the Death Star that had crashed there. And so they go to like the Emperor's throne room and it's underwater. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that was a really cool visual. Um, also, there's something where like Jakku was originally going to be a water planet. And so you see all these yeah. people on like, you know, sort of like rowing along like rivers and stuff, you know, kind of like, uh, like the streets of Venice, but it's like in between crashed star destroyers and all this kind of stuff. That was a really cool visual. Um, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because when I saw that in the art book, I couldn't help but think, you know what? I would have rather had this planet than another desert planet. <laughs> like have Jakku be that water planet because yeah. there was nothing really besides, you know, the ship uh, graveyard to make it that different from Tatooine as far as, making it like a necessity to have it be a different planet. I mean, if they were to want it to be different, they should have just went all out and created a new environment planet that we haven't seen yet before in Star Wars. Because that would have kind of fit in with the pirate thing, or the pirate thing that was in Maz Kanata's castle. I mean, it kind of seemed like an old pirate's code to crash like ghost ships and stuff like that, except they're starships instead of boats. And this visually, I think it would look really cool and different instead of kind of getting uh, what we got with... Uh, the desert Jakku and it being like Tatooine, but yet it's supposed to be different to Tatooine. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where like, if you wanted to do a desert planet, just keep it as Tatooine if you weren't going to change it that much. So that's mm -hmm. not, you know, doesn't ruin the movie for me or anything. It just maybe one of the little nagging nitpick I had when I saw the visual dictionary kind of maybe would have let a little different that route I think would have been better, but cause it looks so awesome. Just to have it just stand out from the other movies and have its own unique feel. If it went that way with a watership junkyard, cause mm -hmm. those concept arts, yeah, there was some beautiful stuff in there, which probably would have looked amazing to see on screen. Yeah. Well, I do think part of it probably has to do with the, the production budget and a, I mean the fact that they wanted to do a lot more practical sets and effects and things like that. Um, and to do yeah. a water planet like that, you either would have had to do a lot of CGI or doing the whole, you know, the sets on the water and everything would have been probably a really grueling shoot, I would imagine. Um, 
I mean, if you ever read like behind the scenes stuff about the making of Titanic, where they actually, you know, were shooting that in like a giant water tank for, you know, however, however many months. Um, I mean, it sounds like it was kind of a nightmare, despite how well received the movie ended up being. Um, and, you know, to go through that on The Force Awakens, like just for part of it, and then still have, you know, two other major planets to be filming stuff on. Um, I can easily see why they would have scrapped that idea just for logistical reasons, but at the same time, I still kind of wish they had stuck with it just because it would have looked really cool. Yeah, see, but you brought up the point with CG. I think that's probably played a big part of it, too, where they wanted to go back to the whole practical effects thing, but I don't know. This, that's part of one of the reasons, I guess, where I could see the arguments where that's not what George would have done, and you've heard stories where like maybe Lucas thought they should have taken more, um, maybe not necessarily risk, but make things a little different than instead of keeping it safe, you know, with kind of same planet environments and the same ship designs. That would have been one area I would have liked to see them jump, you know, a little further than just keeping it safe and just kind of doing your own thing and putting your own stamp on it and giving us something we haven't seen visually before in Star Wars. And that would be an instance where you would want to see them embrace the CG aspects of it. But, I mean, this was pretty way early in production so maybe this that design of the water planet didn't get very far off the ground when they were writing the scripts and getting everything set up for the story and all that so nothing like i said is gonna hurt the my watching of the movie experience later on as i watch it over and over again down the line so but it's just one thing when you read it in that moment it's like ah, i really wish they would have went that way but mm-hmm. can't change it now yeah um, yeah, and I mean, there's so much other stuff in there too. Like they were going to be on Felucia at one point, and um, we we did get confirmation from that book that uh, Ray's name originally was Kira, um, and Finn's name was Sam. Oddly enough, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm definitely glad they changed that one. Um, but I I don't know. I kind of wish they had stuck with Kira, but at the same time, obviously Ray has already started to stick with everybody, so I'm like, I'm fine with that. Um, it's funny you talked about her being like, you know, kind of your new favorite character. Um, and I mean, I, I definitely love her too. And I love Finn. I think Kylo Ren is still my number one favorite character in the movie. But for me, Poe Dameron is the one that I keep being like, man, I love Kylo Ren, but I really love that guy too. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously like of those four main characters, he's the one with the least character development and, you know, sort of least depth to him, but he's just like such a freaking cool pilot and um you know I, I you know his his friendship with Finn and everything I'm just like man that guy's super cool um also I think we might have talked about this before but I know we both said like the first time that we watched the movie the soundtrack was kind of a weak spot for us and yeah. I think for me like the more I listen to it and the more I watch the movie um and you know again the more I just sort of get used to it um it's still not like my favorite star Wars soundtrack. And in fact, I would probably still kind of rank it near the bottom of the list, but it's not really an issue for me anymore. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this now. I like it. I think it, it fits well and everything. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I had the pretty much the same experience. <laughs> I like kept listening it over and over again, though, because we knew the classics already race theme was great. And, for me, anyway, the Jedi steps. Those are like the yeah. two standouts. But as I listened to it more, I came to appreciate tracks like Star Killer um, and Torn Apart. It's a great track. And even the Resistance March is growing on me, which never really was my favorite. Even the first few viewings and listening of the soundtracks. But that one's growing on me now. 
Mm, yeah, I love that one too. Um, but yeah, obviously, like you said, Ray's theme, the uh, the Jedi steps um, are going to be, you know, I think the two um, sort of classics, I guess, off that um, off that soundtrack, the ones that are going to end up in like, you know, Star Wars soundtrack compilations, you know, with the, where you get like a couple tracks <coughs> uh, from each movie, like those are going to be the standout ones from this one. Although, like I said, I think along with the, the March of the Resistance, I think is up there as well. Um, and the Jedi steps, I mean, I don't know, cause just cause that one's kind of short at the end and then leads right into the credits. But, um, I think that's, it blends into the force theme so perfectly. Though. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I love it so much. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I love it too. I'm just thinking if they were going to put it like, you know, on a, a compilation track or something like that. Um, cause every now and then they come out with these, you know, star Wars, the ultimate collection or whatever. Mm. And it's, you know, sort of the, the collected music of all six movies or seven movies. Um, <laughs> still getting used yeah, to still gotta get used to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean the, the soundtrack has grown on me. Um, overall the movie as a whole, I mean, I think probably after the third or fourth time I stopped kind of like noticing new stuff and having changing opinions. And now, you know, I kind of just watch it to enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still loving it, still enjoying it. Um, I think we talked about this before as far as where we would rank it on our list of favorite Star Wars movies, but, um, has, has that position changed for you at all? No, not yet. I think it's going to be a while before I can firmly place it. I mean, I still have trouble placing A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith as my second favorite movie. I still flip-flop for those ones <laughs> from time to time when I watch it. So right now, The Force Awakens is still number four behind Empire, Revenge of the Sith, and A New Hope. <coughs> and I guess depending on which uh, A New Hope or Revenge of the Sith is at number three, maybe The Force Awakens might <laughs> overtake one of those at some point down the line or over the course of my life, I don't know. I'm probably going to be flip-flopping back and forth between which movies are in my top uh, three, I guess. But oh, Empire is always going to be number one unless, you know, we are blown away with episode eight or nine or an hmm. anthology film. But I'm never going to go into one of those movies expecting it <laughs> to top Empire Strikes Back. But anything else, it's all possible. But yeah, for Force Awakens right now, it's still at number four for me. Okay. Yeah, I think... And I think for me, it's still at number three, although it's, you know, again, like you said, it's hard to say, but I know my top two are definitely Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and those two kind of flip-flop. Um, but, and it's funny because I, Revenge of the Sith used to be my number three, but that could sometimes be number one, like, depending on my mood. You know, if I'd been watching a bunch of Clone Wars and then I want to see, like, the resolution of Anakin's story arc, then sometimes I'll watch Revenge of the Sith and, like, it really hits me and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I feel like that <laughs> one's my favorite today. Um, but no, for the most part, <coughs> um, like I said, Empire and Jedi kind of are, are always up there for my top spot. But now... I mean, I, I definitely would say The Force Awakens is better than Revenge of the Sith. So I don't know if I'll ever say Revenge of the Sith is number one again. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's better than Revenge of the Sith. But is it better than A New Hope? Because it feels so similar to A New Hope. And like, can anything really ever top the original? Um, you know, just all yeah, those kind of <laughs> like all those kind of thoughts that bounce around in your head as you're trying to rank your seven favorite movies of all time. Um, and plus with the new hope and even, I guess all three of the original trilogy movies, you've seen them so many times and your kind of reaction is to go to the newer thing because you haven't experienced 
that that much as the other movies, and it's so fresh, and that's probably part of the why you're loving it so much. Uh, not the total reason, but I'm sure it plays a part for a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. It does for me, just the newness of it. And so you kind of got to put that in check, and that's why I always try to wait further down the line, even a few years even, to kind of get a good feel to where it, it's at and how it ranks up with some of the other movies you've seen so many times in the past. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, the prequels are kind of be that way now too because they're not new movies anymore. Revenge of the Sith is going to be 11 years old and Phantom Menace is going to be 20 years old in just three years, which is hard to believe. So yeah. we're going to start ranking those up as part of the old classic movies pretty soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, the whole newness factor plays a little bit as far as where I'm going to rank it to and as maybe not where I'm going to rank it, but how I'm ranking it right now. I just can't get a confirmed like grip as far as what place it's going to stay in my ranking. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny, I almost have the opposite reaction where I almost feel like because I've seen it, you know, seven times in less than two months, it's like almost starting to wear out a little bit. Um, to where, I mean, obviously it's still good. Like I'm not getting sick of it or tired of it or anything or otherwise I wouldn't be seeing it so much, but it's like sort of the, the newness and the wow factor is kind of, <clears throat> kind of wearing off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, eh, maybe I should put it a little bit lower on my list. But then I'm like, no, nah, because again, you know, you've seen it so many times just recently, like, you know, I, I feel like if I give it time, like if I don't see it for a couple months until it comes out on Blu-ray in April, then um, you know, after having not seen it for a while, I might be like, oh yeah, I forgot how awesome this part was or how much I love that scene or this, that, or the other thing. So, Yeah, another big thing too for me is how I'm going to react to some of my favorite moments in, from The Force Awakens like I do from The Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith and The New Hope because when I still see the scene where Darth Vader tells Luke he's his father, every time he says, no, I'm your father, I still get the goosebumps and like the hair on my back standing up, but still mm. gives me those chills. And like with Revenge of the Sith or the immolation scene. And so if I still get the feeling I do for those scenes in The Force Awakens, like when Kylo Ren kills Han Solo and the final shot with Luke and Rey, if I still get those chill moments like 10 years down the line, I'll know how <laughs> great it really is. So yeah, I, I'm still getting those now when I see The Force Awakens. So if I still keep getting those same feelings, way down the line when i'm an old man (laughs) i'll know it's it it was a movie that you know the effect didn't lose its way over the course of time so i'm expecting it to be because i don't think it's going to lose its effect but you never know until it actually happens but if it's up there with those other feelings i get from the previous movies it's going to be just fine yeah well and you know obviously it's hard to tell right now but for me i almost feel like some of those moments like aren't quite going to live up to some of those moments of the original trilogy um, or the prequels even. I mean, I I feel like there just aren't a ton of those like huge earth shattering moments. Um, I mean, obviously Kylo Ren killing Han is a big deal, but it's, you know, sort of a, a wannabe Sith Lord killing his smuggler pilot father when we're used to seeing confrontations between like, the last Jedi Knight in the galaxy and his Sith Lord father, who was supposed to be like the chosen one Jedi hero and fell to the dark side and all that kind of stuff. Um, So just like some of those, those big moments and some of those conflicts feel a little bit smaller scale than we're used to. Um, But I think the reason that the force Awakens still holds up for me and the reason that I still rank it so high on my list is that 
I mean, A, just the, you know, the visuals are great, the action scenes are great, and the whole thing is just, you know, it's fun and it's cool and it feels like Star Wars. And then also just the performances and the writing and the dialogue and the characters um, are just so, you know, so well done and so likable um, that, you know, again we might have to put up with another 10 years of some people complaining about the force awakens saying it was too much like the original trilogy, but we won't have to hear 10 years of people whining about, um, you know, Adam driver or John Boyega or Daisy Ridley complaining that their acting was wooden or that, you know, they're the worst actor on the planet or that, you know, they totally ruined their lines and, um, nobody's going to be, you know, mocking Finn for not liking sand or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> he has a good reason to not like sand though. After which is what he went through. <laughs> very true. He's like, why does everybody want to go back to Jack who, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so going back to what you're talking about, the moment with Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. One thing that I think is going to make it last and have that same gut-wrenching effect is not just the fact that he killed him, but like I said in our last episode when we talked about it, the performances by Adam Driver and Han Solo, which is so dead on in that moment. Yeah. The emotions that they were displaying there, the dialogue was great, and the whole conflict that Kylo Ren had with being seduced by the light side, it was just done so perfectly. So not just the fact that he killed him, but the whole moments leading up to that and the dialogue that they had with each other and what elevates that moment for me and what I think is going to make it a classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, just those, those performances and everything are so great. And that's part of why Kylo Ren is, you know, still my favorite character in the movie. And, um, you know, I mean, ranking your favorite Star Wars characters is a whole different story. And he's certainly (laughs) not like my favorite character of all time yet, but he's, He's certainly up there on my top ten list. Um, yeah, a few characters on The Force Awakens are probably on mine now. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'll have to try to go back and do that now. Maybe we should do that like on our next episode, come back with our top ten character lists. Because um, I would say Kylo Ren is probably even in my top five, maybe. If yeah, not, I can if see not that. that, then maybe like top six or seven. It's hard to pick, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I could also see like. Ray or Finn or Poe Dameron making that list. Um, it's funny because even though I said like I really like Poe in that movie, when you're ranking like all the characters from across the saga, I think I would probably rank Finn and Ray ahead of Poe just because of, you know, again, you're looking at like the impact on seven movies as a whole. Um, and it's like, man, he was really cool and really fun in this one movie, but did he really make that much of an impact? Like the story's not really about him. He's not the one that, you know, fights with the lightsaber or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and speaking of impact characters, I think I'm finally okay in accepting Captain Phasma's role in the force Awakens. <laughs> it's not bugging me as much when I saw it the last few times. No, she's not an impact character. She's a compact character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she definitely is now, <laughs> but what's helping me making it better is that yes, she will be in episode eight and hopefully she will have a bigger role in redeem herself from the force Awakens. So if we don't get an episode eight, then yeah, I'm going to lose hope for Phasma, but <laughs> I'm kind of over the disappointment of the lack of Phasma mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens. Yeah, I, what I would kind of like to see happen is... <clears throat> oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd kind of like to see Episode Eight focus more on the conflict of, like, the Resistance versus the First Order. And... <clears throat> 
then maybe to sort of like in the background have Ray training with Luke and have Kylo Ren training with Snoke. And, you know, you're, it's just sort of like building the tension, build, like both of them building their power up. And then in episode nine, I want to see like the Knights of Ren with Kylo as the leader, just you know, like full on full force, like doing their thing and then have, you know, Ray and Luke and maybe even more Jedi Knights that he's trained, uh, you know, be the ones there to stop him. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about too, about uh, the force awakens and seeing it a few other times, I really come to appreciate the whole state of the galaxy during that time period and what happened after the battle of Endor, because, you know, it was easy for us back, you know, in 2012, before we got this announcement and kind of speculating all what's it going to be like, it was really pretty easy to do what the EU did. I mean, Luke established a new Jedi temple, there's a new Republic and there you go. But what they did here, I just really love it. I mean, establishing that, you know, the empire really didn't fully go away. And then the whole treaty that they signed with the empire and how the new Republic, I mean, we would expect Leia to, you know, be pretty high up in the new Republic, but the fact that they kind of viewed her as almost like a, warmonger not wanting to bring about the or not to bring about the peace but accept that there is peace and that she was just paranoid with the fact that there could be a threat out there with the first order and so she had to form the resistance for the first order but yet they weren't necessarily part of the republic even though the new republic tolerated them and somewhat supported them but still didn't really view the resistance as something credible or even something they wanted to get involved with as we kind of learned about in the journey to the force awakens in uh, Poe Dameron's story. So I just kind of like how it was just so different and not to mention the fact that Luke uh, rebuilding of the Jedi order failed. I mean, I didn't see that coming when we were speculating on all this stuff back in uh, 2012 when this first got announced. So I really liked the, how they'd established the status of the galaxy here with the politics and where the Jedi are at and I just can't wait to see where they go with it next because with The Force Awakens, we saw the New Republic get destroyed by Starkiller Base and the First Order was dealt a huge blow with the destruction of Starkiller Base. So mm-hmm. as you were talking about how maybe wanting to see more of the conflict between the Resistance and the First Order, I'm kind of thinking, what if we're kind of get like a movie where it's a lawless galaxy out there? There is no hmm. firm government that has its hand over everything and we're going to be see different factions kind of grabbing for power. And maybe that's where the first orders we can, I kind of think maybe Snoke is going to reach out to Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren to maybe use them more. If there are a lot of members of the Knights of Ren left or I don't know. So we don't know if Kylo Ren's the last one or not. So, but that's something I could see happening where maybe he has to rely on other uh, groups to, you know, establish his power to get control of the galaxy and make sure Skywalker never comes back. So I think that'd be pretty interesting if we get kind of everything goes in the galaxy, there is no law and order, but everyone's kind of scrambling to figure out to gain control and what to do. So, but like you said, in the background, when you have Ray training with Luke and Kylo training with Snoke, who are going to be the difference makers as far as who is going to win. So that's something that I speculated on. That I think would be pretty cool, but we'll see what happens. But again, I wasn't expecting the whole state of the galaxy 
to be the way it was in the force awakens but i ended up loving it so i'm mm-hmm. sure whatever they got planned is going to be awesome yeah and i still wish that in the movie itself they had explained that a little bit better but um yeah i, I mean i i think the again i haven't read the uh, before the awakening yet but i think just the visual guide even um has a lot of just little tidbits in there um especially you know if you read the pages about like leia and poe dameron and uh some of the the new republic like senators and stuff that they've got in there um it fills in a lot of those gaps and uh, and says a lot of that same stuff that you just said um and then yeah as far as where they're going with episode 8 now um i mean i wonder if they really did like completely wipe out the new republic i mean obviously they took out the the hosnian system where the uh, the senate was being housed but and their fleet too right but at the same time i kind of wor- wonder if that's like akin to the rebels destroying the death star and killing palpatine in return of the jedi like obviously there was still you know the empire still had power out there um except like you said i think a big part of it is that the you know mon mothma had apparently thought it was a good idea to basically demilitarize the republic and just keep a small peacekeeping fleet um which got wiped out along with uh you know, along with the their capital system there. So um I like how the visual dictionary says that the Republic fleet is the largest in the galaxy, but it's a fraction of what it was during the Clone Wars. So because yeah. <laughs> we know how big that was. Yeah. Um well and even I would imagine a fraction of what it was during um the Galactic Civil War, you know, like with the a fraction of what the Rebel fleet was. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You know, maybe about the size of the fleet that I mean, what just like from if you look real closely in the movie, you can see the ships like hovering over the um, over the planet. And I actually didn't catch that until after I had read the art book, because in the art book, there's a piece of concept art of specifically the the fleet getting wiped out Um or it, it kind of shows it like it's more zoomed in on just the the fleet and the ships getting destroyed, like as the planet's blowing up. Um, and I was like, oh, that wasn't in the movie. And then next time I watched the movie, I looked in like, oh, actually, as you're seeing that shot of all the planets being destroyed, like the biggest one that's right in the front. If you look closely, you can see like a fleet of ships hovering above it and those all get wiped out, too. But it's not a very big fleet. Um, I mean, it's maybe about the size of the one that the rebels had at the Battle of Endor. Um, and we know, you know, especially from rebels and stuff now, like that wasn't the entire rebel forces cause they had other groups and stuff that were spread out. So, um, yeah, I don't know who thought that was a smart idea, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, of yeah, course, that's obviously one thing, the new Republic, I felt didn't have the greatest grasp of how to handle things. Yeah. <laughs> the, being the new galaxy. Yeah. I mean, especially because it seemed like they were really just kind of, I don't know if wishy-washy is the right word, but, um, you know, like the, the empire signed the treaty and, you know, surrendered or whatever. And it's like, you know, they, they just kind of said, okay, Hey, look, they surrendered. They signed the treaty. Like there's no reason to have a fleet anymore because we're not at war and the galaxy is just going to be peaceful now. And it's like, you haven't learned much over the past 50 or 60 years, have you? Like, you should still keep that fleet around just in case somebody decides to cause some trouble. <clears throat> I know, and just the fact of ignoring Leia and, you know, the warning she would give about the First Order, like, oh, they're nothing to worry about. They're just, you know, fanatics about the Empire. They pose no threat. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of that thing of history repeating itself, where mm-hmm. they're just going to be as corrupt as the 
Old Republic was before that. I mean, even though they would try ways to make sure they wouldn't, you know, like rotating uh, the capital of the Senate to different planets, not just on Coruscant and demilitarizing uh, their fleet so, you know, they could promote peace and all that stuff. But in the end, yeah, <laughs> it ended up being their undoing. So <clears throat> I really hate to see by episode nine how everything's going to wrap up. And because I don't see them going back just to the status quo. Okay, they defeated the bad guys. So a new new republic is going to be formed. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be something that simple. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it's all going to wrap up in the end. Yeah. Oh, and especially because, well, you know, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll wrap it up quite as nicely as Return of the Jedi seemingly did because obviously now Disney wants to keep milking mm-hmm. this for as long as they can, and I, Episode Nine definitely will not be the end of the Star Wars franchise. Um, I just hope that they don't keep doing movies every two years. Like I don't want episode nine and then episode 10 and then episode 11, like every two years, I would love it if, and I mean, I know it's kind of far fetched because again, knowing Disney, I mean, and I'm not trying to bash on them because I think they've done a good job with it so far, but again, you know, they're in this to run a successful business and make a lot of money off of it. So they probably are going to want to crank these out as often as possible. But I would love it if they took like a 10-year break in between every trilogy just so that everyone was sort of like a new generation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like if you get to the end of episode nine and, you know, 10 years later, you could still have John Boyega and Daisy Ridley like playing Ray and Finn um, and playing older versions of their characters and um, – you know, just sort of continuing on that storyline, but maybe introduce some newer, younger characters or, um, I mean, I don't know if you're going to see them, you know, starting a family or something like that. Um, but at this point, I mean, I'm kind of wishing that this is what George had done with the original trilogy. Like I wish he had made seven, eight and nine right after, um, four five and six, because, like there's a whole nother trilogy's worth of movies. I feel like in between episode six and seven right now, where we could see, um, you know, especially Luke training his new Jedi order and Snoke coming out of wherever he comes from and corrupting Kylo Ren and his whole turn to the dark side and introducing the Knights of Ren and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we've got, <coughs> it's like, we've got all these unanswered questions. And in the original trilogy, we had a a lot of unanswered questions, too, about, you know, Vader's origin and how he felt at the dark side and stuff. But then we got a prequel trilogy to explain all that, whereas with this one, we're not getting a prequel trilogy to the sequel trilogy because you can't. I mean, what are they going to do? Episode 6.1, 6.2, 6.3? Like, um, and obviously, uh, you know, Rebel Shorts we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, (laughs) those are numbered. Yeah, but then also, you know, obviously at this point, like, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are too old to play, like, 40-year-old versions of themselves that they would have played, you know, in a movie that took place, like, 10 years after Return of the Jedi. Um, so, <clears throat> um, again, like I said, you know, it's it's too bad that we can't get that at this point, but I would love to see that going forward. Um but I guess, you know, we don't really have to worry about that going forward because we'll never have another, like, 30-year gap in between Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to let that happen. But I hope that they do leave some breathing room and, um, you know, let each trilogy be its own special thing um, and not just make it, like, one on, you know, one long, ongoing, continuing saga. Like, you know, break it up into into chunks that you can digest, like I said, once in a generation. So, Yeah, I totally I agree really with you cool. on that. I mean, because it probably sounds crazy to say as Star Wars fans, uh, 
I'm hoping for a break for Star Wars movies. <laughs> I totally agree with you because that's what makes each trilogy special. And you said it best, let each generation have their own special trilogy for a while and then continue it on. Because, yeah, that's what I love about The Force Awakens and each Star Wars trilogy moving forward is how we get introduced to a new generation of characters. And that's what the at least the episode numbers is all about. The legacy of the Skywalkers and each uh, generation, like, be passing down the torch to each new generation and having each new trilogy and story focus on the new generation. And to do that, we would need to have a little bit of a break. And because half of the fun, at least for the force awakens was seeing the characters we know and love as older and maybe not all the time wiser, but just older and with new circumstances that we're seeing them deal with that we saw with Han, Luke and Leia and the force awakens. So mm-hmm. I would want the same thing with Poe, Ray and Finn and, Maybe Kylo, if he survives the trilogy, you know, to see what their characters are like as older and with more uh, life experience that they have when we saw them in their own trilogy. So, yeah, I think for the episode numbers anyway, and for each trilogy, you probably, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It is best for each trilogy to have a break so we can just take it in and have a chance. Just, another thing, just to love the characters even more as we, just as the years go by, as we watch these movies more, we're just going to get more out of it, fall in love with more of the characters. And when we see them again, after it's been a while, we're just going to appreciate them that much more. Just like, uh, maybe not as much as Han, Luke and Leia. Cause like I said, it was a 30 year gap and they're not going to wait that long, but it would be some to that effect. If there was a good gap between trilogies and we saw Ray Finn and uh, Poe again, when we haven't seen them in a long time. So that is the way to go. I agree with you 100% there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like they have to go 10 years without making money off of star Wars. Cause they can still make anthology films and animated exactly. series and all that kind of stuff in the meantime. And, you know, books and comics and all that good stuff. Exactly. I mean, there's no limit to what they can do besides the main saga film. So that shouldn't be a problem if they want new movies out there every year. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think we're all caught up on the force awakens. Um, although one other thing we should mention too, um, it did get nominated for five Academy awards. Um, and those are next month, I believe. No, it should um, be later this month. Or no, uh, yeah. February 28th. I always forget. It's sometimes it's at the end of February. Sometimes it's beginning of March, but right around there. Um, but it got nominated for best film editing, best visual effects, best sound mixing, sound editing, and best original score. So, um, I'm hoping it wins at least a couple of those. I think it's definitely going to win visual effects and probably, you know, at least one of those sound categories. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say it, it got snubbed for best picture. (laughs) Come on. There is nine or the nine or 10 categories or slots they have for movies that can be nominated i think it's up to 10 i don't think it has to be 10 but i think it was 10 that got nominated this year okay i mean i mean the whole reason that happened was because the dark knight got snubbed and when you have a movie like the force awakens where critically it was successful it's the biggest movie of all time in the north america i mean how much more does the movie have to do to get recognized as one of the best pictures of the year i wouldn't expect it to win but just to have it be part of that group of the best picture. I mean, I think it's, it it was robbed. I'm sorry. It should have been nominated there. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to win most of the categories it's in because I think that movie um, is Mad Max. That got the best picture nomination. I think it's going to take those special effects and sound editing stuff. That's going to be, you know, the genre movie, I guess that gets the recognition from the Academy this year. I mean, I'm hoping for the force awakens to win all that it's nominated for. It deserves them. That's for sure. But 
I'll actually be kind of surprised if it does. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not expecting it to win all of those, but I'm hoping it at least wins like one or two of them. Um, and then as far as it not getting nominated for Best Picture, I mean, I can't really say I'm surprised. I would have loved it if it did get nominated, but um, I mean, just knowing sort of the Academy's history with, you know, not only Star Wars, but just sort of genre films in general and sci-fi and everything, um, I'm like, I'll take five nominations. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, and again, like we said, I mean, I love the Force Awakens. I think it's great, but I do think they could have um, gone outside the box a little bit, um, especially like from a from a critical perspective. Like if I were a film critic deciding which movies to nominate for an Academy Award and looking at the Force Awakens, I would have been like, yeah, that was really good, but they played it really safe. And I would have liked to see a little bit more originality or experimentation or what have you. Um, so that is the main thing I'm looking for for, from episode eight. Um, in fact, I've talked to at least a couple of people. Um, I mean, most people that I've talked to love the force awakens and, you know, were like super happy with it as was I. Um, but I've talked to at least a couple of people who didn't like it. And, um, especially like my boss at work, he's like, yeah, I was not impressed. Like it was just, they they read it everything and it's like oh they have to go blow up another freaking Death Star and and, and then he's like why does Kylo Ren wear a helmet like I get that Darth Vader needed it because he can breathe <laughs> oh. through it but like why does Kylo Ren have one and that I was like oh come on like so Kyle I think you're looking for a new job now because you quit right <laughs> <laughs> not quite but almost because um, yeah come on like. No, he doesn't need it to breathe, but A, he's a Darth Vader fanatic who wants to probably look as much like him as possible. B, he's a bad guy who just wants to look intimidating. And, you know, if you're going to nitpick about that, like, why do stormtroopers wear helmets? Why does Boba Fett wear a helmet? Yeah. Like, why is Darth Vader the only one who should wear a helmet just because he needs to breathe through it? Like, it's a space fantasy movie. Everybody wears helmets. Yeah, see, that's nitpicking to, uh, you know, the highest degree, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he, he did have a lot of, you know, just a lot of complaints about, you know, how it was so similar, and he, he thought they should have done more stuff different. But when I talk to people like that, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I see where you're coming from with those complaints, and I do wish they had done more different stuff. But, you know, even though they, they played it safe, and even though it was so familiar, I thought everything that they did do, I thought they did very well. Um and I'm willing to give them a pass on it for this once. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think each movie in the saga kind of has its own little distinguishing mark. And, you know, the one for The Force Awakens is going to be kind of that nostalgia factor. And, you know, it's going to look back, it's going to be the one that we look back on as the movie that kind of reconnected us with the original trilogy and sort of took it back to those roots, but then hopefully one that we can also look at as sort of a launching pad for, you know, new characters and new stories and some more new, exciting things. Um, so like, I I'm willing to give it a pass on this one, but if episode eight is just like more of the same and, you know, feels beat for beat, like Empire Strikes Back or something, then I'll start being a little disappointed and be like, come on, guys, like, show us some new stuff here. Yeah, totally agree. But, I don't know, I just think the Academy should recognize when there's a movie out there that's a phenomenon. I mean, that's what The Force Awakens was. It brought Star Wars back in a big, big way. I and mean, there's no denying that. 
And a lot of people loved it, including critics, which, I mean, just that's why I feel she get the nom- nomination, at least, in there, because most <clears> of those <throat> movies do. I mean, they did it with Avatar. I mean, I still have never seen Avatar, but what I've heard is there's nothing really unique about that story. I just keep hearing the comparisons, oh, it's Pocahontas or Dances, Dances with Wolves in Space. So mm-hmm. it's got that criticism with it, kind of the same with The Force Awakens, if you want to compare it to too much of, like, A New Hope. But it was still a phenomenon that people loved for that year, and... I just think it should be recognized as that. Not necessarily where it has to win, because I don't think it probably doesn't deserve to win if you're going uh, uh, other pictures that are more original and, you know, of course, more dramatic probably than Star Wars movies are. But again, even I still go back to, well, if Return of the King can win it, Star Wars movies can do it too. So <laughs> I'm not going to give up for future movies. But at least in the case of The Force Awakens, I think it more than deserved a nomination. Because I just feel the Academy should recognize when there's a big movie phenomenon for that year just to give it the recognition it deserved. Mm-hmm. Like the first Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings movies, and was still like Avatar. So I just feel like I got to kind of disregard it in that way. So, yeah. It's a, I kind of feel like the Academy Awards are like the opposite of that. <clears throat> like if it's a big phenomenon and like people love it, like that's what, you know, they have like the, the People's Choice Awards and stuff like that for but Whereas, they've done it in the past, though. That's what gets me. For yeah, that, for this one. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah this is but going again, down with I mean, the Dark Knight for me as being snubs. <laughs> well, see, honestly, I think, I mean, from from a totally objective point of view, and you know, for as someone who's studied, you know, film and you know, trying to look at this from a film critic perspective, I would probably nominate the Dark Knight over the Force Awakens for for a Best Picture Oscar. Um, just again because of like the the intricacies of that movie and i mean it's not just a batman movie it's like a dark gritty crime drama that's really well done that just happens to have batman as the main character and the joker is the main villain so um i think objectively like if i weren't a star wars fan i would say the dark knight is a better movie than the force awakens but obviously as star wars fans you know we get that the, the rose-tinted glasses, you know, that sort of skewered viewpoint just because we don't see it just as one movie. We see it as a continuation of a franchise that's meant the world to us for our, our entire lives. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, again, it just gets me too. There's 10 spots. Can it fit one for The Force <laughs> Awakens? <laughs> that's what it's there for, to kind of recognize these types of movies that come out in the year that are very successful. And that's why I think it was either between the force awakens and Mad Max. And yeah, they decided to go with Mad Max for this year. So I yeah. guess one revitalized franchise got the nod. <laughs> it just wasn't star Wars. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we know how cool it is and how much it means to us. Like yep. at the end of the day, I mean, Oscar nominations are great, but if you really love a movie, you can love it regardless of who else loves it or how many awards it got or anything like that. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm just happy with the critical reception of it. Like an Oscar nomination for best picture would have just been icing on the cake, but the Mm -hmm. fact that it got any, the fact that it got any nominations at all and that it has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and that it's made as much money as it has, um, like I'm perfectly satisfied. Yeah. See, not me. I'm not seeing the movie anymore. No Oscar (laughs) nomination. That's it. Cancel my my Blu-ray pre-order. Nobody's gonna believe that, Tim. <laughs> You've probably pre-ordered three already, <laughs> plus the digital copy. <laughs> See, uh, Disney has a track record of releasing the digital copies of the movies two weeks 
before the actual Blu-ray comes out. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm probably going to get that, even though the Blu-ray is going to come with the digital copy code. <laughs> yeah. I can't not watch it if the Star Wars movie is just sitting there for two weeks waiting to be downloaded and seen. So <laughs> I'll be double dipping in that regard. Yeah, I probably will just hold off for the Blu-ray release. Um, I'm just hoping that it comes with like a decent amount of like behind the scenes, you know, making of kind of stuff. Um, yeah. and that they don't do what a lot of movies do nowadays where, um, you know, it's like, oh, we'll put it out on Blu-ray, like just, you know, a few months after it comes out in theaters just so that you can get it and watch it real quick. And then around Christmas time, we'll make you pay more money and release like the four disc ultimate edition with all the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff and, you know, collector's box and all that. And then I'll be like, oh, I got to buy this again. Okay, fine. I know. <laughs> We're going to do it. So. Oh, I, I totally am. But that's why I'm hoping that they just put those documentaries and stuff like on the first one. Because, um, I mean, that's what they've always done with Star Wars in the past. Like, I mean, they well, they've kept re-releasing versions of, you know, the original trilogy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there there weren't like a bunch of different versions of the release right after the movies came out. Yeah, it's going to be different for this one. Part of me thinks maybe... See, I think they can still do it for the release of the Blu-ray because I believe Amazon's having it listed now for April 5th, which is, you know, not that far away, which is awesome. But I'm curious if it's going to have, like, a sneak peek at Rogue One where not necessarily a trailer, but, you know, interviews with the cast and crew, some, like, behind-the-scenes documentary with that. Or if they would save that for kind of like a re-release thing you are talking about like in November, like get the force awakens for the holidays and get a sneak peek at the new star Wars movie coming out next month, rogue one. So mm-hmm. I, I figure rogue one is going to be some part of the special features somewhere down the line. Just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, or I mean, it might just be a trailer for it or something, but see if they do that around the holidays though, it's going to be like, by that point, how much new stuff could they really show us on a Blu-ray that wouldn't already be out, you know, in trailers or on the internet or anything like that, um, that wouldn't, that's spoil, a good point. that wouldn't yeah. spoil too much. Yeah, that's true too. Um, but you never know yeah. <laughs> the way they market things. They could be holding stuff back. Yeah, possibly. Um, now let's talk about Rogue One for a minute and... I was going to say episode eight too, but we've kind of already talked about like what we want to see from episode eight and there hasn't really been a whole lot of news regarding it. Um, except, well, okay. So, uh, episode eight has been pushed back to December of 2017. Um, originally they were going to start moving movies back up to a May release date, starting with that one. And now they're like, Hey, we dominated the box office in December and, uh, you know, third highest grossing movie of all time. Like, let's just stick with that. Um, and <laughs> not that I can necessarily say that I blame them. Um, cause I think around the holidays, that's a good time to go see star Wars seven times and not have like a bunch of other summer blockbusters coming out that you want to go see instead. Um, and you know, again, from a financial standpoint, I certainly can't blame them for doing that. Um, and also, you know, for, again, from my perspective as a filmmaker, like I am perfectly okay with any decision that, um, you know, gives the filmmakers more time to work on the movie and, you know, not have to like rush it out. Not that it would have made a huge difference because they're already working on episode eight now anyways. And I think like principal photography starts like, you know, this month, if it hasn't started already or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be in February. Um, so... Um, I mean, obviously they've planned this out well enough in advance anyways, 
but to have a little bit more time and it's never a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I'm okay with that. I know some people were really disappointed and they're like, oh man, I wanted to see it in May and, or they were just really excited for the movie to come out and they're bummed that they have to wait six months. But, um, I mean, if they had pushed the force awakens back by six months, I probably would have been like, no, but you know, oh, now it's like, it's the difference between waiting a year and a half and two years and we get another movie in between then anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, plus we'll have the force awakens to watch on Blu-ray and it's not going to be like, we're waiting for you know any glimpse of just what this new future or, you know, this new series of star Wars movies is going to be like, it's like, well, we've got the first one already. So I guess I can wait a little bit longer for the second one now. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I'm kind of happy it's going to be in December because the force awakens coming out during the winter, worked out really well not just financially but I just you know like that moment of the year i mean got the cooler weather there i like having a star wars movie close out the year after you know you get all the summer superhero stuff and other genre movies and then you save like the best for last with star wars so i did like how it all worked out with the force awakens and i'm glad it's going to continue for episode eight but i would be lying if i said there wasn't a part of me that Got disappointed, not at the fact that we'd have to wait a few more months to see Episode Eight, but I was really looking forward to being in that time period where we see Rogue One, and then, oh, we only have to wait six months for another new Star Wars movie. That mm-hmm. was going to be so awesome. That's the only part that has me a little bummed. Not the waiting to see Episode Eight, but just the fact that we could have gotten two Star Wars movies six months apart from each other. That just would have been, you know, Star Wars Nirvana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the only part that got me... Uh, that's a little bit of a shame. But the other thing they found interesting about it was they didn't necessarily say this in the official announcement, but there have been reports that um, the St. Ryan Johnson tweaked the script a little bit. They were, you know, beefing up the parts of Ray, Finn, and Poe Dameron since everyone was uh, taken to those characters and they were so well-received in The Force Awakens. When I heard that, I mean, that's awesome news, but I was kind of thinking to myself, well, what was their role originally in episode yeah. eight? Because they were the main characters of The Force Awakens, so you would just automatically assume they were going to be, you know, the major focuses of episode eight also. So th- I was kind of curious about that. I mean, they really planned to introduce new characters who were going to be maybe more prominent than Finn or Poe Dameron. So I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting. I'm glad they are going to be the main focus, but just what would have been like or what was his original plan for those characters and for new characters that he's going to introduce in episode eight. So almost a little bit to the whole Michael Arndt and original George Lucas treatments we were discussing about for the force awakens, how much has changed and who, who was like, you know, who's part of the story still made it and all that stuff. So now I'm kind of curious about that with episode eight, what was Ryan Johnson's original plan for those characters? So maybe we'll get, more information on that in the episode eight art book and while we're still waiting mm-hmm. for the force awakens making of book that's just another thing to look forward to do for the episode eight making of book so i am curious about that now yeah definitely um and man i still would love to just like read george's original treatments at some point and see what he was planning on doing same here man i hope those come out some way <laughs> some way yeah. somehow hope we get to learn that i i hope that we don't read those and go dang it i wish they had made this movie instead you know, you know like what? I think it's going to be you know what that maybe would have been better or you know what that probably was, we're probably for the best they changed that thing yeah. it's going to be a mixed bag kind of pick and choose type of thing yeah kind of like the art book where you know some of the concepts you're like I can see where they scrapped that and some of it you're like 
man, I wish they had kept that. Mm, exactly. Um, also, I'm interested to see even how some of the deleted scenes on the Force Awakens Blu-ray turn out. Yeah. Because from the concept art, it seems like there was going to be like a pretty sizable um, action scene towards the end that got cut where Finn and Ray are in like a snow speeder type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of... Um, you know, going across the surface of Starkiller Base and avoiding like some walkers and stuff. And I think, I I think they must have filmed that too because I think it's part of the story. Like when they reunite with Ray in the base, and then next thing you know, Han and Chewie are like waiting by a door, and Ray and Finn are off in like some other bunker, and she like pulls out a wire, and the door opens, and Han and Chewie go and set the charges, and it's like, well, how did Ray and Finn get over there? And this is something I noticed like my second or third time watching the movie, that when you see them come in through the door of that bunker, well, out in the snow behind them, out the door, you can see the speeder that they took to get there, Um, and we just never see them get from point A to point B, and, you know, they must have figured that it just wasn't all that important or that it took up too much time or something. Um, And I think it wouldn't have been that hard to just have a shot of them, like, hopping in a speeder and flying across, but maybe they did film stuff for that whole action scene and then just decided to cut it out. Um, Yeah, I I think they did totally film it, because even some of the visual effects people at ILM were talking about, that sequence and how it got cut from the movie. Oh, okay. Well, then I really hope we get to see that on the Blu-ray because I really want to see what those the First Order walkers look like. Because, um, I mean, you see them in the movie, but they're always, like, small and far off and we never really get a good look at them. So I'd be interested to see how those turned out because um, they're kind of like, almost like four-legged spiders in a way. Um, you know, it's sort of like the, the old four-legged Imperial Walker design, but they're more, the legs are a little bit more kind of like spindly and spread out and the body's like more flat. Um, but I, I definitely would be interested to see like how those things move and how they, you know, look and act in an action scene. So mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see what deleted scenes we get on there. We know we're for sure getting them because JJ has said that in the ILM people have said it too, so that's yeah. going to be awesome to see what didn't make the movie. The one yeah. I'm hoping for is where, because uh, we've seen pictures, it's in the visual guide, where um, the storm or the snow troopers are actually on the Falcon, kind of searching it. And this is where I, I'm not sure if this was filmed, but I know this was a sequence that was planned for the movie where Kylo Ren goes on the Falcon and he goes to the cockpit and kind of, you know, takes it all in. You know, this used to be his father's ship, and I'm sure he grew up on the Falcon for a period of his life too. So. I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out. And I'm sure he probably doesn't have any dialogue, but just kind of seeing the emotion that would be on his face. Um, well, unless he's wearing the mask, but I kind of think he's not. Cause I tie it all into that uh, vanity fair shot. We've had of him walking with the snow troopers out in the snow. I kind of mm. think maybe they were walking their way towards the Falcon. So hopefully that scene makes it on there. Cause I think that could be really cool to see. Yeah, that would be. Um, and then also there's a scene where at least it's in the book, I think where, um, Unkar plot like follows them to Takodana oh, yeah. <laughs> and then like starts harassing Ray like in Maz- in Maz's castle like hey you stole my ship and Chewie comes up and actually pulls his arm out of his socket. Um, yeah. I'm like, um, yeah, I need to see that happen. Yeah, we talked about that a lot of how we wanted to see Chewie <laughs> take somebody's arms out of their socket. Yeah, I, like- I I mean I like I need therapy or something. <laughs> I, I have a problem. I you know, I'm too obsessed with wanting to see Chewie dismember people, but at least you know it was actually an idea they were contemplating. Yeah. <laughs> 
hey, if they're going to do it, I think there's no character that would probably deserve it more than on car plot. So yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. think nobody would care seeing his arms getting ripped out. Yeah. You know, what was funny too. Also, when you talked about um, that scene of um, Kylo, like being on the Falcon and just kind of that taking him back and, you know, thinking about his family and stuff, there was, uh, I think it was just like a fan drawn, like comic strip thing that I saw on like online one time. Um, and I should try to find this and like post it on Twitter or something. Cause it was just like, really good. And one of those things that hits you right in the feels where it was like seeing all these scenes of Chewie and, Oh yeah. And, and Ben solo. And it's like, I think Chewie might've even been like holding him as a baby and then he's playing yeah. with him as a kid. And then like as a teenager, uh, he's like upset and Chewie's comforting him or something. And then it shows, um, you know, Ben killing Han and Chewie's like aiming at him with his bowcaster and he's like aiming for his head. And then he kind of just like stops for a second and looks away and then aims lower and shoots him in the torso. Yeah, that was awesome. And yeah, like you said, it really like made you think about that whole sequence in a different light because you know, Chewie had to be there for Kylo Ren when he, or Ben when he grew up. And I never thought about it when I saw it, but it made me think, you know what? This makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. Chewie's a great shot. If he wanted to aim for his head, he would be able to kill him like that, no problem. But, you know, maybe paying his like last respects to Han, you know, he's not going to kill his son. Yeah. He decided to wound him. So, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, if some way they tell a story like that in a comic or a novel, I'd be all over it. Or, heck, just make that short little comic strip canon. I'll be happy because <laughs> that was some powerful stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, and even, you know, like you said, Chewie probably could have made that shot, although it was pretty far, um, you know, from where he was up on that balcony all the way down to the the bridge. So, I mean, I never really thought about that watching the movie. I wasn't like, oh, come on, Chewie, why didn't you shoot him? Or, you yeah. know, why didn't you kill him? Like, you missed. I'm like, nah, that was still a pretty good shot from that far away. Um and also, like I said, I was more focused on kind of thinking, like, man, how are Ray and Finn going to be able to hold their own against this guy in a fight when, you know, Ray has the Force but is never trained with a lightsaber or anything, and Finn can, you know, he, he's trained in melee combat, but he's not Force-sensitive, and then as soon as Ben gets shot, I'm like, oh, that's how. Yeah. Um, <laughs> made perfect sense. Yeah. Well, my reaction to that moment was like, Yes, Chewie got some shot in. He was able to, you know, get some little small uh, measurement of uh, revenge for Han being killed. Yeah. So well, and then he something. shoots 15 stormtroopers and blows <laughs> up the base. So, I mean, man, Chewie is like also one of my favorite characters in that movie just because we get to see him in action way more than we ever have. And I'm sure I talked about that on our last episode. But yeah, um, you know what? I'm confident in saying this is Chewie's best Star Wars movie. Ever. Oh, Absolutely. Like, without a doubt. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. It's like, for the reasons you said. I mean, it's got it all. The action bits that we've never seen him do before, and then the emotional aspects of it. Yeah, hands down, too, his best Star Wars movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So... Um, anyway, where were we before we went on that Chewie tangent? Yeah, um, we were going to go into Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we talked about Episode 7, we talked about Episode 8 a little bit, and then Rogue One, um, again, obviously, you know, filming, or I think they're probably done with filming on that by now. Um, you know, coming out the end of this year, I'm trying to think, has there been any, like, substantial news or anything related to Rogue One? Um, not official news, but we have gotten some rumors, kind of reminded me 
uh, from the early filming days of episode seven, those little character details and stuff we're getting about Rogue One now. So nothing official, but from what I'm hearing in these rumors, it's getting me pretty excited. One of them that I liked too was about um, Mads Mikkelsen's character and how he's going to, his role in the movie, how it's going to play out with the story is, I believe, I mean, again, this is just rumors. So um, it was from making Star Wars where they were saying that um, his character, who's rumored named to be Gallen, is going to be someone who was involved with the design of the Death Star, and it even says like, took over like the construction of it from the Geonosians. But he was pretty instrumental in getting the Death Star built, but then has that regret about it, you know, Same. being the like the destroyer of worlds type thing, like going to feel responsible. And the rumor is that Felicity Jones' character is going to be her his daughter, or at least part of her fam- his family, and he kind of uses her to make things right to get those planets to try to destroy it and hmm. that she's either i mean she's being described kind of as a bounty hunter or a mercenary but it's still you know not confirmed what exactly her role is going to be but if this family dynamic is what we're going to get in rogue one that sounds really cool someone who's regretful about being part of building the greatest destructive weapon in the galaxy and trying to set things right i think that could be really cool for the story and how it's going to set up you know, Felicity Jones' character and the band of Rebels who's going to get to steal those Death Star plans. So hopefully that plans out or pans out to be true because it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that definitely sounds cool. I know there's also been <coughs> more rumors about uh, Darth Vader possibly having a bigger mm-hmm. role in the movie. And also there was like some Lego imaging or something from uh, like some German toy fair or something like that that people were thinking maybe Boba Fett's going to be in the movie as well, which I would love to see. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's, um, you know, like was it just a lot of rumors and stuff at this point, but, um, I don't know. I like on the one hand, part of me is like, if they're going to do these spinoff films and, you know, focus on new characters and, and different, you know, it's going to sort of have a different tone and feel to it and stuff. And they talked about how it's not going to have any Jedi in this story. I'm like, do we really want Vader being front and center? But at the same time, it's like, how can more Vader and Boba Fett, like, be a bad thing at all? Um, And especially, like, after how awesome Vader's been on Rebels and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I I think for the most part, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I was always expecting... Uh, when we first heard rumors about Vader being in Rogue One, that it's probably just going to be the end sequence. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking to him on a hologram, something like that. And but from the rumors that we hear right now, that if he's going to have an action sequence and you know, seeing what he does in Star Wars Rebels and the Siege of Lothal and how we dominated the fight with Kanan and Ezra and just took down the Phoenix Squadron fleet, if we get to see some of that in live action, oh boy, man, <laughs> that's going to be something that will, you know. We're hearing a lot of talk about, you know, we just want to get to episode eight after The Force Awakens because it was so good. And yeah, Rogue One's going to be good, but it's not, you know, on my most anticipated list right Uh now. But if we get something like that in the movie, boy, it's going to set Rogue One as something awesome for Star Wars fans to experience if it has something like that with Darth Vader. And starting to think it will because we're hearing more and more about Vader's role in this movie. So, yeah, yeah. It's going to be awesome if that's the case. Yeah, and I'm definitely one of those people who, you know, every time I see something online where somebody's, like, counting down the days till Rogue One, I'm like, that's nice. When's Episode Eight come out? Um, <laughs> I know. But, but it's, that could be a good thing, too, because it makes the wait not seem as long. And then when you see it, it could potentially you know, have that effect where it's going to blow you away even more than what you were expecting if mm-hmm. you have 
not that excitement level as you did for The Force Awakens. Yeah, and you make a good point, too, that, like, if it's something like The Siege of Lothal in live action, where, I mean, obviously it's not going to be quite the same because we won't have, at least as far as they've said, we won't have any Jedi. Um, mm. So, you know, I wouldn't expect, yeah, they like, just said Jedi, lightsaber so. duels and stuff. Well, right, but I'm just thinking... If Vader is in it, like he won't be fighting anybody with a lightsaber. But even if we get um, something on, you know, sort of the same level as that space battle where you see him just absolutely dominating um, and, you know, living up to that title of like, you know, Obi-Wan saying he was the best star pilot in the galaxy, well, we see like he still is. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, like in episode four, we see him pretty much wipe out most of the rebels at the battle of Yavin too. But that's just, he's basically shooting fish in a barrel as they're just flying straight down this trench. But man, in that siege of Lothal where he's like doing barrel rolls and stuff and, you know, just taking out all these a wings. It's like, man, this dude is not to be messed with. Yep. Shooting down the a wing fighters as he's flying in reverse. (laughs) Yeah. Still the highlight of that fight sequence. Oh, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) And yeah, to see something similar to that in a live action movie, I would like lose my mind. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm just curious to see how much they're going to use Vader as far as the marketing. If they want to reveal him like early on, like if we get the first trailer, will we see him in there? And then seeing him show up on posters or other marketing materials, or mm-hmm. they're going to try real hard to have him be a surprise in that thing you're not expecting when you see the movie. That's what I'm curious about too. Just how much are they going to use Vader? Are they going to rely on him for that recognition factor for the casual audience to come see the new movie with Darth Vader, or they want to keep that as a surprise? So it'll be interesting. I mean, because we know as fans, we're going to know right away. I mean, we already know right now <laughs> that it looks like he's going to be in the movie. So we'll see what we get when. They start the marketing for Rogue One, which, you know, we're in the second month of 2016 already. So that's not going to be that far off because more than likely there's been reports, too, that we're going to get the first trailer with Captain America's Civil War, at least a teaser. I mean, Mm -hmm. it could just be the one we got at Celebration. But as you mentioned, they've been filming for a while now, so they shouldn't have any problems putting up a trailer with actual footage from the movie. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I think it'll definitely be bigger than what we saw at Celebration. And also, I mean, in in regards to Vader and how much of him they're going to show, I could see that even being something where it might depend on, like, sort of the the marketing and the advertising and sort of all the analytics that goes into it. And, you know, they do, like, focus testing and focus groups and polls and all that kind of stuff. Um, Because I could see, like, if people are really excited for the movie and they feel like it's going to do really well regardless, then they probably would save Vader as a surprise. Whereas if they feel like, okay, not a lot of people know what this is, not a lot of people are that excited about it, and they're just waiting till episode 8 comes out and they don't know... I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the general population that still don't realize that they're doing these anthology films in between the main Mm -hmm. movies. And that might confuse some people. So they might be like, okay, we need to like start busting out the Darth Vader in the trailers to A, let people know that this movie takes place during the time period of Darth Vader and that it's not, you know, this is not episode eight. Um, You know, we're going back in the timeline a little bit. And then also just, again, to be like, holy crap, it's Darth Vader. I want to go see that movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as much as they're going to, try as hard as they can to let people know this is not episode eight (laughs) we're going back they're not going to get everybody and there's going to be i'm sure some audiences who are going to the movie are going to be disappointed wait a second where is ray finn and kylo ren isn't this the next star wars movie Mm -hmm. we're going back 
another prequel? I'm confused. So <laughs> they're going to have their work cut out from them. And unfortunately, they're not going to be able to get everybody to be on the same page. But hopefully they can work it out where the majority of people going into it know it's going to be before A New Hope. Yeah. Um, and if not, the title crawl hopefully will uh, explain that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if, if they we do a title, title crawl, crawl yeah. but uh, I don't know. It's still kind of hard to imagine a Star Wars movie without a title crawl. Um, we thought it was weird not having the 20th Century Fox logo before. <laughs> if we don't get a crawl. I still think it's weird. It, like seven really? times seeing The Force Awakens out and I still have not gotten used to seeing it without, I mean, without that Fox fanfare at the beginning or without at least something because, you know, it's like the last preview ends and then it's just Lucasfilm a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I keep feeling like, I don't know, it's like, oh, that's it already? Like, there needs to be something else there. Um, you know, obviously they're not going to put the 20th Century Fox, but I'm surprised there's not like, I mean, I know there's Disney doesn't usually put their stuff in front of everything, but I don't know, it's just... I think it is just because it doesn't have that Fox logo in the fanfare. It's just like it feels like there's a piece missing. You see, I was okay with or got used to it pretty quickly with not having the Fox logo before it. But I was surprised there was no music with the Lucasfilm logo, just mm. silence. Maybe that's I, what it is. Yeah, I was expecting them to use that fanfare they put on the digital releases for um, the five movies that were not a new hope since that is still technically uh, has the rights by Fox. So they could still have that uh fanfare on there when you watch it digitally but that that fanfare music they put for the lucasfilm logo worked really well and i was expecting to hear that when i saw it for the first time and when i didn't i was like huh that's interesting but it's i've still got i got used to it pretty quickly on the second viewing it just took me back a little bit when i first saw it yeah um well if, if i'm not used to it by uh the time I'm done seeing The Force Awakens, I'm sure I'll get used to it pretty quick with all these other movies coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention um, the Blu-ray release. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, there was a few more Rogue One tidbits that have come out over the last few months. Um, there was a article posted on JoeBlow.com that kind of had a breakdown of some uh, characters we may be seeing in it. And it touched on some of the other rumors we've heard earlier where we might get uh, those like black stormtroopers being referred to as death troopers. Remember we saw that image that um donnie yen oh yeah instagram with those helmets so it looks like we are going to be seeing like those shadow troopers but one of them the new characters that they described as being a new droid who's actually going to be um he works with the rebels and but he was actually someone a droid that was originally for the empire but he's been repurposed by the rebel alliance and um they said he's supposed to be like a scene stealer for the movie he has he's a two-legged and a dark gray and in terms of appearance, he said the droid has long arms and legs and is very different than any typical protocol droid like C-3PO. So they're thinking it could be a motion cap uh, droid character and someone who could probably be one of those characters that stays with you and sticks out. And when I hear, you know, droid characters that are, you know, uh, unique and have their presence felt, I can't help but think of, you know, HK-47 mm-hmm. from Knights of the Old Republic and yep. even to an extent proxy from the force unleashed so yeah if it's anything like those two characters that could be pretty cool to see as part of the rebel group and a new type of sidekick character Mm -hmm. well it's funny because i mean even those two droids are pretty different um whereas hk is just like i don't like you i'm gonna kill you and proxy is like super polite 
but also tries to kill you because he's programmed to be like a trading droid for Starkiller and, you know, trying to turn him into a better warrior. So it's like he'll almost kill him and then be like, oh, I'm sorry I failed to kill you that time, Master. I'll have to work harder on my programming. And, you know, it's like the polite assassin, whereas HK is yeah. just like, die, meatbag. Um, See, this one was originally with the Empire. He, it'd be kind of cool if he has that conflicting programming where they think they got all the empire's protocol out of him but part of part of it like comes back in and he says something like maybe hk-47 would say you know but then he'd go back to being part of the rebel alliance team <laughs> die jedi dogs yeah. oh, what did i say <laughs> something to that effect and yet <laughs> it won't be a head of a different droid it'd all be the same droid unit <laughs> yeah um yeah that sounds pretty interesting though i'll be honest i haven't kept up with a lot of these like smaller rumors and stuff mm -hmm. over the past you know, month or so just because like I said, I had a lot of other stuff going on, been focused on The Force Awakens, and been, you know, playing a lot of Battlefront when I can, too, obviously. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute here with some of that new stuff coming out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is kind of fun to get back into the, you know, all the little character speculation and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, like you said, this definitely... Um, it sounds like it could be an interesting character, especially, yeah, just hearing you read that description saying that, you know, it's a, a droid that's supposedly a, a scene stealer and that it's, you know, a former Imperial droid that's now working for the Rebels. I was just picturing, like, this is going to be, like, the Rebellion's version of HK-47. Um, <laughs> they should just throw in the line meatbag somewhere, <laughs> regardless <laughs> if it has to do with anything, <laughs> like calling a humanoid a meatbag. Yeah. Pretty cool nod for the fans of Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, definitely. But uh, the only other thing on Rogue One characters is uh, making Star Wars how to report on who's Forrest Whitaker's character is going to be in it. Um, well, they don't have like a name for him just yet, but it's a description of what he's going to be like. They say that he's going to be someone who uses a cane and that um, he, he has it on one leg that he uses as a crutch. And he may be a veteran of some previous battles, but they don't know if it's going to be, you know, during the Clone Wars or some other fight against the Empire. But it's kind of it reminded me a little bit of some of the early rumors we were hearing about um, Laura Santeca of what the possibilities mm -hmm. he might be. And we even saw that concept art of him having like cybernetic limbs and like legs and even yeah. like, part of his face was cybernetic. So um, we'll see if Forrest Whitaker has that but it looks like he's going to be someone you know who's seen action in battle and has the scars to show it but it does say it looks like he's going to be a good guy in rogue one so um that's the latest on his character and i think that's pretty much it for the rogue one rumors that i've kept up with so far and the only other thing that's right i believe it was reported sometime in early january that um chris mcquarrie uh, was brought on to do like another rewrite of the script shortly before shooting. And he's a name I know in the industry. A lot of people say he's a great writer has been on projects that, uh, you know, he's known as someone who saves movies. So mm. <laughs> I don't want to say where he was brought on to save rogue one, but to get someone, you know, and to polish it up even further before they started shooting is, you know, a good sign where technically you can think of maybe as a negative where they still haven't gotten the script. Right. But at least they show they want it, to get this movie perfect and not just go into shooting and meet a deadline if they weren't happy with the script, but yeah. they wanted to get someone else in there. So um, we might get uh, quite a few writing credits on Rogue One <laughs> when it's all said and done. So Yeah, that is true. But hey, as long as they get the best movie out there made, that's all that matters, regardless how many names you have to see on their writing credit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, man, you think back about, or think back on like, 
the three years that we spent waiting for The Force Awakens, now that we only have to wait like a year for each of these next movies to come out, like that's going to go by super quick. I know, totally. I mean, it seems like we were getting these rumor type details that we're talking about with Rogue One right now two years before The Force Awakens came out, and it continued on leading up to the release. So now we're just starting to get these rumors, and the movie comes out this year. Yeah, it's going to make it fly by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think also, obviously, it's partially because, like, we were still so focused on episode seven, you know, on the force awakens while they were filming rogue one and all that. I mean, you talk about how they were, you know, that it's just coming out now that somebody was brought on to rewrite the script at the last minute. I'm like, well, okay, that's nice. Like, isn't that from like six months ago? Um, Cause <laughs> I remember, true. you know, seeing all these leaked rogue one set photos and stuff. It's like, they were already filming that, you know, a while ago. So um, it's just kind of funny that, you know, people are only just now paying attention to this stuff because we were so focused on The Force Awakens. I know, and hey, we still got to keep up with some Episode 8 rumors that are sure to trickle down as that starts shooting this month. So. Yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, yeah, I even saw some people like posting about that today because John Boyega posted a picture on social media just of him like working out for it and um, I think it was like him, you know, with his shirt off doing like pull-ups on a bar and stuff. And man, his arms are like jacked. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, but then, and he just, you know, captioned it with like a Roman numeral eight. Um, and we, like- we did hear that, um, they said the script for episode eight is, you know, I, I think just in various interviews from John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and some other people who had read the script, they said it's darker. They said it's really good. It's action packed and everything. Um, but I know John Boyega specifically also said like it's more uh, his role in particular is more physical. Um, and so he's doing a lot more working out for it. So we know that Finn is not going to be just lying on a table with a, you know, <laughs> his back chopped up the whole time. Kylo Ren ain't beating me twice, that's for sure. Yep. Um, So anyway, I think that's just about it for uh, all the movie stuff. Um, We've got some video game stuff we're going to talk about as well. Like I mentioned, Battlefront. And also, um, in a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, it should come to no one's great surprise that they would want to capitalize on this with video games and stuff. Um, They just announced... Uh, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, the video game, is coming out in, I want to say, June 28th of this year, um, or sometime in June. Yeah. Um, And I thought it was really cool the way they did the announcement trailer because they basically remade the first teaser trailer for The Force Awakens shot by shot but with Lego characters and, of course, putting the classic spin on, you know, the Lego humor in there. Um, And so while I'm a little bit skeptical, like, you know, because each Lego game previously has been like three Star Wars movies, and I'm like, how much of the the depth and stuff that we're used to from a Lego game, like how much of that are you going to get out of a game based off of one movie? And it kind of feels like a bit of a cash grab, and I'm like, I was just sort of expecting Lego Star Wars, the sequel trilogy, to come out in like 2019. But at the same time, I'm like, there's no way I'm not buying this. So shut up and take my credits. Yeah, especially after seeing that trailer. But yeah, they did say, too, they're going to have some added content to kind of fill in the gaps between A Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And I'm sure it's not anything like earth shattering. But um, we were talking about it before we record that it was mentioned. We'll find out how C-3PO got his red arm in the Lego game, even though mm-hmm. we were supposed to find out in that one shot comic that has <laughs> still not come out yet. But so little things like that will probably make the game longer. 
but it's going to be DLC that's going to be on the PS4 first. And oh, uh, you and me being Xbox One owners, it's a little bummer that we're going to have to wait a little bit. But yeah. we'll just have to play the Battlefront <laughs> DLC instead until we mm-hmm. get that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the trailer for the Lego Star Wars was really cool. I mean, I played all the previous Lego Star Wars games. And when I saw this one, it was like, man, I wouldn't think they could update the graphics for the Lego engine as far as advanced that I think this trailer shows because, yeah, it's on a next-gen console, but even other LEGO games that have come out for this current generation, I don't think look as good <laughs> as this trailer does. It looks really, really good. I mean, just visually, it, mm. it's, it's, I, it's hard for me to say realistic when it's in LEGOs and they're, they're blocks, but it had a realistic feel to it, especially the environments in that shot where BB-8's rolling down and he rolls over like a sandcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Like that environment looked really good, and of course the classic Lego jokes, like you said, are all prominent in this trailer. My favorite being the one with Poe Dameron in the X-wing. He flicks the switch, but he turns the radio on, and he turns the windshield wipers <laughs> on. Two pieces of toast, and pop then out. the toast pops out. <laughs> and then yeah. the X-wings like run over an Athorian who's like fishing in a boat on the lake. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, this trailer it did a great job. I mean. Part of me wants to say, you know what? I had my fill of Lego games. I played a lot of them. I haven't played one since 2012, which I think was uh, Lego Batman 2. But there's going to be one that gets me back into it. It's going to be one about The Force Awakens. So, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll be getting it. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think I've played one since... I think probably Lego Lord of the Rings was the last one I bought, which was also, I think, in 2012 or 2013. Um but yeah, obviously, definitely going to get this one. Um, and... I still have to try out the Disney Infinity one, too. I've gotten the Clone Wars one. I played a little bit of it, but I keep going back to Battlefront. So <laughs> I've yet to even purchase the Force Awakens play. So that, oh, okay. that one's still on my checklist to play also. Yeah, I still, I don't know. I'm going to wait till that's maybe like on sale again or something. Um, I kind of wish I'd bought that for uh, like on Black Friday because the uh, the Star Wars starter pack for Disney Infinity was on sale for like 30 bucks at Target. Yep. That's um, why I got mine. <laughs> so, yeah, I might just do that next year if it goes on sale again, because I mean, mostly just because I would like to play through that Force Awakens stuff. But at the same time, like you said, I'm still just focused on Battlefront right now and uh, haven't played the Old Republic much lately. But I know they're coming out with a n- sort of a new story chapter for that soon with the new expansion and everything. So I'll probably get back into that a little bit uh, pretty soon too. Um, but man, it's going to be hard to keep away from Star Wars Battlefront because man, <laughs> with the new details we got with the DLC plan, I don't know if we're ever going to stop playing that, Kyle. <laughs> uh, probably not. Um, not that we've stopped playing it since it came out anyways. I know. Um, although definitely, you know, we haven't, we haven't been playing, playing quite as much. Um, we've at been, least once a week we still try to get yeah I was going to say it, it feels like we play together probably like once or twice a week as opposed to like five or six nights a week for the first couple of <laughs> yeah. weeks that the game was out um, but yeah so they came out with like a big long post uh, detailing all the the content that was um, you know all the DLC content that will be coming out this year and stuff um, I mean first of all <coughs> there was a new um update that came out just at the end of January where they took um, one of the Tatooine survival maps and made that into a multiplayer map, which I think is a lot of fun to play on. Um, This is big like Canyon with a Tusken Raider camp and stuff. And I mean, 
it's like easily the best sniping map in the game because you can see oh, yes. way across that thing. Um, I've been on the receiving end of that, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been mostly on the uh, the dishing out end of that and <laughs> sniping people from way far away, but that is super fun. Um, and then uh, they also added uh, Hoth outfits for Luke and Han um, for you to so that when you play as those heroes on hoth they have their hoth outfits and it's not luke running around in his black jedi outfit which i'm kind of happy about because that looked a little weird um and they also added like some new daily challenges and community events and uh did a lot of tweaking to the balance and some of the uh, weapons and stuff like that um february they're coming out with another free update with a new hoth multiplayer map um and again you know some more um yeah, I'm sure all these updates will be adding like tweaks and stuff. March, they're adding a new multiplayer map on Endor. Um, and uh, let's see, when is it that they're adding the um, the turning point? Okay, oh, that's for, for, no, for the February update. Um, they're making the turn the new turning point mode that you can currently only play on Jakku. They're making that game mode playable on all the big maps um on all the planets basically all the maps that support like walker assault and supremacy and stuff um sorry for anybody who's listening to this and doesn't play star wars battlefront because you probably have no idea what we're talking about but uh (laughs) yeah it's it's super fun and we're way into it so we're just going to detail all this stuff here real quick um but then so march is when they start coming out with um sort of the bigger expansions that are part of the season pass um and you know are going to be paid dlc for other folks who didn't get the season pass obviously um but so march 2016 the star wars battlefront outer rim expansion comes out where we get new maps in the factories of sullust and jabba's palace on tatooine um Star Wars Battlefront Bespin comes out in the summer where obviously uh, we get at least one map, maybe multiple maps, I don't know, but they're set in uh, Cloud City on Bespin. Um, And then the one that I'm probably most excited about in the fall, we get the Death Star (laughs) expansion. Um, And it just says, that's no moon. One of the most iconic locations in the Star Wars universe makes its debut in Star Wars Battlefront. I'm really hoping for not just interior stuff, but also like a dogfight. Uh, you know, fighter squadron map where you fly over the surface of the Death Star. Um, it has to be. It yeah. has to be. <laughs> and actually, I don't. I don't know if it's going to be set on Death Star one or two, but I'm hoping. I mean, I would imagine that the any interior stuff is going to be based more on the first Death Star, just because we see a lot more of the interior of that one. We don't really see much of the inside of the Death Star two, aside from like hangar bays and the Emperor's throne room. Um, but I actually kind of hope that a, like a fighter squadron map would be set above the second death star, just so you can see like the star destroyers and the rebel fleet and stuff in the background. Um, and I think it's just a little bit more interesting visually where you see, um, and even like as they're flying through it in return of the Jedi, you see there's like scaffolding and stuff. And, you know, you see that it's kind of not quite complete, even as there's still like laser turrets and stuff that are, um, you know, attacking the rebels. Um, it's, it's not quite as just like, you know, flat gray with turrets and stuff as, uh, you know, a new hope was, although it would be cool to like fly down the death star trench too, but I don't know how they would incorporate that into a fighter squadron mode. Um, but I do kind of hope they add like a single player, like training mission where you, 
maybe have to make the trench run. Yeah. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I kind of think that would be the way to go if they were going to do the trench run thing. And why not? I mean, they have one for mm-hmm. indoor speeder bikes and some hot stuff. So just put one for the trench run. But yeah. yeah, just like you, I'm excited for the Death Star content myself, mainly for Fighter Squadron because, yeah, you know how much you and me love playing Fighter Squadron. Oh, yeah. To get one on the Death Star, whether it's Death Star 1 or 2, it's going to be awesome regardless. Just to play a match of Fighter Squadron out in space is going to be so much fun. And yeah, if it's kind of like we were both saying how the Jakku DLC, where that one is a little bit different because you're more closer to the surface and you're seeing more of the destruction of the crash ships and the desert landscape, or in all the other maps, you're pretty high up and you're just. Um, Floating like flying amongst the clouds, which looks cool, but I kind of like the more Jakku setting where you get to see more of the ground environments. And if we were to get that outer space with the Death Star, and I've always considered that it was just going to be Death Star one because maybe it'd be the most easiest to do for a DLC content. But now that you mentioned Death Star two, that would be yeah pretty awesome because there was going to be a lot more going on. But depending how big it will be, I'm just curious they would mainly focus. You know, out in space amongst the Star Destroyers and the Rebel ships, or would it be amongst, like, above the second Death Star and the construction of, <coughs> or they would, because I think that'd be better if they just, if there was above the Death Star to use the first one, and then, and heck, if we can be greedy and ask for two Fighter Squadron, <laughs> have one on Death Star 1, and then the second one in the Battle of Endor, where you're not over the Death Star, but you're amongst the Star Destroyers and the Rebel ships, and maybe you see the Death Star in the background or something. Hmm. Yeah, Probably not going to happen. I know I'm being greedy there, but I'll be happy with just with one because, yeah, Fighter Squadron is one of our favorite modes, and if we can get one in space over the Death Star, yeah, I'll be over the moon. (laughs) Yeah, except that's no moon. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it would be cool to have one that's like more in space, just like fighting among the fleets and stuff. I wasn't really thinking of that just because again, they did sort of emphasize from the beginning, like we're not doing space battles, we're doing aerial battles. Um, And even though, you know, having a a battle above the Death Star would technically qualify as a space battle either way, um, just sort of with the way that fighter squadron is set up now, I think it would kind of make more sense to have it be like closer to the surface of the Death Star, but I still would love to see it above the second Death Star just because I think the, um, just sort of the background visuals would be more interesting, um, you know, rather than just having like blank space and then like Yavin off in the distance, you have like, you know, Endor in the distance, but then also, you know, the Super Star Destroyer and, um, you know, the, the ships blasting each other and all that kind of stuff. Even maybe every once in a while you see like a rebel capital ship get blasted by the Death Star laser or something like that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully if you get the hero power up and you're in the Falcon, they pay enough de- attention to detail to have Lando and Neo Num be the voices that you hear. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> I think Dice, you know, a bunch of details they put into the level design that we saw already. I think they'd be de- uh, good enough to do that. Yeah, I would have to think so. Um, especially like, you know, if this is content that isn't coming out till the fall and we're paying for it, I'm like, yeah, if, if it was like a free map that was coming out next week, I maybe wouldn't expect that, but I'm like, come on, get Lando in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then less, there is one more expansion pack that's coming out, um, early 2017 and, uh, the title is still to be announced. Um, and they just said, we'll have more details to share about this exciting new expansion in the coming months. So, 
no idea what that one could be. Um, it you is see, a, oh, go ahead. I'm still on the. They actually said we're not. They're not going to put the Force Awakens content in there because right. there's no way it makes sense in the canon, which I think is a lame excuse since you already got Luke fighting Emperor Palpatine on Hoth or on other planets, so. You can't look at canon when it comes to Battlefront. You're just looking for fun gameplay experiences with your favorite Star Wars characters and battles. So, But I still think the Force Awakens DLC is still a possibility. And the fact that this is a TBA title on there leads me to believe it's something along those lines. But another thing that makes me think of with its release date, it's 2017. Rogue One is going to be out by then. So maybe they're going to use that to tie in because mm. it is in the time frame set in the game of the original trilogy. So maybe they're saving it for that. But I, I still think it's a 50-50 with The Force Awakens and with Rogue One. But I do think it's going to be one of those new Star Wars movies because from what we talked about already with the season pass stuff they have planned, I think they got pretty much all the planets covered from the original trilogy. So mm-hmm. it'd have to be something pretty different, in which part makes me think why they're not ready to announce it yet. So we got a whole year <laughs> to find out what that's going to be. Hopefully they'll announce it at E3 or one of the later game conventions in the summer. But oh, it should be, be interesting cool. to find out what it is. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, of your two theories, I think I'd probably lean more towards it being Rogue One. Um, although, yeah, it is kind of dumb that they're like, well, it doesn't make sense in the canon to have Force Awakens content in this game because I'm like, well, in the original Battlefront games, like, they had galactic civil war and clone wars stuff going on but you never got to play as like the empire against battle droids like they kept it separate Mm -hmm. um but i think yeah i think they are still trying to focus on the original trilogy for this game and may you know maybe they didn't want to like redo all the units and stuff and so if they had you know a jakku map um, well, they do have a Jakku map, but, you know, if it were to be something that was, like, based on, or like, a location for The Force Awakens, they're like, oh, well, we can't have Rebels and Stormtroopers running around in there because it wouldn't make sense. Um, and so, yeah, I would be like, well, then just make Resistance Fighters and First Order Stormtroopers, but maybe they're not ready to do that yet. So, um, at this point, what I'm kind of hoping for, because we also know that they're going to make more Battlefront games, um there hasn't been an official announcement, but I think there was some, um, like EA executive who did confirm that like in a a press conference or something like that. Um, and not to mention just that the fact that the game has been a big success and they want to make money off of star Wars and it would just make more sense, you know, make sense for them to make more battlefront games. So I'm hoping that maybe like, maybe like holiday 2017, we get one that just focuses on the prequels and the clone wars. Um, and we get to play as clone troopers against battle droids and then get some more DLC from that over the next year, um, you know, through all of 2018. And there's tons of stuff they could draw from with that season pass with, you know, the clone wars TV show. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would be perfectly fine if the game itself only included, maps from the movies and it was like you know battle of geonosis and Utapau and kashik and all that kind of stuff and then through dlc we got like umbara and christophsis and teth and ryloth and all the other awesome battles from the clone war series um and then like 2019 or 2020 even though that seems so far away um although it's not really that far because it's only like three or four years off yeah um, it's crazy <laughs> 
yeah, and then we could get um, the one focusing on the sequel trilogy and, you know, you have more locations and more battles to choose from and more hero characters and all that kind of stuff and get your uh, resistance versus first order action going on. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are endless, really, with Battlefront and what they could do. And hopefully they will do, because, like you said, this first game has sold so well. And I'm actually surprised they don't have a sequel coming out this year, because you know how much video mm. game companies like to annualize their uh, IPs. So it's good that they're going to take their time. But again, we're going to be getting content for Battlefront for <laughs> over the next few years. I mean, it's going to be going on going through two years when you're talking about the first Battlefront game came out in 2015 and we'll still be getting dlc for it in 2017 so and by that time i expect we'll be getting the sequel in fall of 2017 so mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna be covered for a long time like yeah. you said well and i mean they they very well could surprise us and announce that there's a sequel coming out this year but i guess yeah. it, de it depends on how big their development team is because if they're gonna have a you know a, a whole separate team work on uh you know battlefront to the second one um or whatever they're going to call it um <laughs> that, that is a great title Battlefront <laughs> Two, the second one <laughs> well because it would be the second star wars battlefront 2 um <laughs> but it's like if they're having a different team work on that than is working on all this dlc and stuff right now then yeah they could have that come out this year but if it's the same people making everything then it's like well they can't really be working on a sequel while they're working on all this dlc right now so um like i said it just depends on how they've got it all organized and how big their teams are and how fast they want to crank this stuff out but we'll see um and when you think about it too we're actually almost paying for a sequel with the season pass because it's like 50 pretty bucks. much <laughs> yeah ten dollars cheaper than a new game so we're, maybe it's not technically a sequel, but we're actually paying for a sequel. <laughs> yeah, well, ten dollars cheaper, and I mean, if you look at the amount of locations, I mean, we've got more Sullas, more Tatooine, Bespin, and the Death Star. That's four locations right there, and there were only four locations in the original, you know, in in the main game. Plus, yeah. we've got the expansion coming out in twenty seventeen that we don't know about. So. Um, yeah, it seems like by the end of it, we'll probably have about twice as much content. Yeah, really. Yeah, see, I don't like thinking about it that way. Though, when you think about the pricing, you know, like we're paying for two games, but yet it's one, and it, or you think like you're paying ninety dollars for a full game, <laughs> takes away yeah. a little bit from the fun when you think about what you paid for. It, but yeah, yeah, a little why... bit. But it's just like this stuff better be good and make it worth exactly, paying all that yeah. much for it. Yeah, we can get into a whole like. Uh, discussion about DLC and if it's ripping you off and how like is it a scam from developers and all that but yeah well not we won't get into that yeah um but so I mean that's pretty much all the video game stuff covered um now we've also got um you know some new stuff going on with the comics as well um there's the new Anakin and Obi-Wan comic that's out which I have the first issue of and have not gotten around to reading yet but I know Tim you said you read it and uh thought it was pretty good right yeah I liked it a lot I mean the artwork was beautiful in it but I'm just so glad we're getting a story set in this time period between episodes one and two and seeing Obi-Wan training Anakin I mean this is like the mystery period of Star Wars that other than legend stuff this is the first time we're getting it and I just love it because what's cool about this comic 
we're seeing Obi-Wan and Anakin out on a mission together. And, you know, you see stuff you're going to expect Obi-Wan teaching Anakin and you know, giving him lessons on how to do things. But what I didn't expect from this issue, which was really cool, and I think we're going to get it throughout the series, is that we get flashbacks um, from, you know, earlier than what their mission takes place. And we see in this first issue, Anakin training with other Jedi. You got Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and Palpatine overseeing his trainings and seeing how he interacts with other Jedi Padawans and almost kind of viewed as an outcast in a way because they know he was brought in older, that uh, maybe he is the chosen one, so they view him differently. So that whole aspect and seeing him interaction and what his life was like in the Jedi Temple, I just love seeing and getting an insight in. So first issue was great. I know the second one has come out now. I haven't gotten that yet. I'll probably pick that up uh, this weekend. But I can't wait to learn, read more about this series. I was everything I was hoping it would be when it was first announced. So can't wait to continue on reading it. The only negative is that probably when it's over, I'm going to wish it was an ongoing comic and not just mm-hmm. a limited series because I really enjoyed it. And, you know, being a big Obi-Wan fan, seeing this part of his life, a very important part of his life and the training of Anakin, uh, it's just awesome to be getting those stories now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I can't wait to get around to that too. One of these days I'll pull myself away from the battlefront and yeah. <laughs> read this comic that's been sitting on my shelf for a while now. Um, <clears throat> and then also there was a, a pretty big announcement about a new Poe Dameron comic going on, right? Yeah. I mean, this got announced um, in the middle of January where, um, well, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing because um, it was also announced uh, that Kanan is going to be ending pretty soon. And once that is over with, we're going to begin an ongoing Poe Dameron series by Charles Soule, who wrote Lando and actually writing the Obi-Wan and Anakin comics. So he has a good track record when it comes to Star Wars comics, because Lando's been critically received really well, and Obi-Wan and Anakin's off to a good start. And yeah, just cool that we're going to be getting a story about a Force Awakens character. Now, if you were to ask me, out of all the new characters we got in the Force Awakens, um... Poe Dameron would probably be the last on my list as far as the main characters that I'd want to see a comic book on. Nothing against Poe Dameron. It's just that, you know, as we talked about earlier, Ray, uh, Kylo Ren, and Finn, those are the three standout new characters for me. And while Poe Dameron, as we talked about too, he was the one who had the least uh, screen time out of all the big heroes. So maybe that played a part into it, why he's the first one chosen to get a comic series, maybe flesh out his character more and get more of his backstory. And it is going to take place uh, before The Force Awakens. We're going to see him uh, with the Resistance and, you know, kind of lead up to the story arc of the opening of The Force Awakens as far as being sent on that mission to go find Lord Santeca on Jakku. So um, we're also going to be getting a new villain from the First Order who they're building up is going to be Poe Dameron's main nemesis. So it'll be interesting to see what that character is going to be. If he's going to be another ace pilot or maybe some type of soldier or Kind of on the lines of Captain Phasma. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But definitely intrigued by it. Just, again, glad we're getting the story set in the time period before The Force Awakens, focusing on one of the new characters, even though it's not <laughs> the one I wanted to most. But still, it's going to be cool to learn more about Poe Dameron and hopefully, you know, get some of that feeling I got, as I was talking about before, when you read about a character, it just makes you want to see the movie again and see that mm-hmm. story progression for him. So, yeah, it should be cool. And I believe it comes out in... When is it? I believe it's April. Yeah, no set date yet, but it will. the first issue will be out in April. So, look forward to that in just two more months. Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely want... I'm looking forward to checking that out as well. Um, yeah, like you said, I think it might be just a chance for them to flesh out the backstory a little bit more of... 
you know, one of the characters who didn't get a whole lot of screen time and development and stuff. Um, obviously, I think if I could have a, a comic about any character from The Force Awakens, I would just want to see Kylo Ren's whole backstory. But I think they're maybe saving that for something a little bit bigger than a comic series. And I don't know if it's going to be a novel or... Um, Potentially future a future series, a future yeah. <laughs> animated series, except that would be really dark for an animated series, though. I mean, you know, the adventures of young Jedi Ben Skywalker could make a for a great animated series, but then you know it's not going to end well. Um, and obviously, with the Clone Wars, we knew that wasn't going to end well because we knew Anakin was going to end up turning to the dark side and murdering everybody. But we'd already seen that in Revenge of the Sith, so you know, we knew we weren't going to see that on a Friday night on Cartoon Network. Whereas with Kylo Ren's story, like if they were to tell that through an animated series, you know they have to actually show the bad stuff at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if they could maybe do it like on Netflix and maybe do it as an animated series that's just targeted, you know, a, a little bit more at, you know, older kids and at, like the hardcore fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um and again, yeah. just the, the the possibilities of, you know, all the different stories of Star Wars they could tell in all these different mediums right now are endless. And it's just so exciting to think about all this stuff that they could do. Um, <coughs> but like I said, I, I see that as being a story that's a little bit too big for them to just tell through an ongoing comic series. Um, so I'm, you know, but I'm happy to see that, you know, we're getting one about Poe Dameron instead and that it's going to, uh, you know, just get to flesh out his character a little bit more. Yeah, going back to what you're saying about seeing that part of Kylo Ren's story, that makes me think where hopefully Lucasfilm and Disney decide to go into the direct to a Blu-ray DVD uh, animated movie releases, kind of hmm. what DC's doing with their movies, and because they haven't done one for Marvel in a long time, and <laughs> those ones uh, from I haven't seen all of them, but from the ones I've seen, there are some good ones, but I think DC's put out a lot better movies than those directed. Uh, dvd marvel ones but um if they can get back on track because they haven't done in a while i wonder if they're scared off from doing those anymore but hopefully eventually down the line lucasfilm and disney can put out you know a direct to blu-ray star wars movie that's geared towards more of the older fans and kind of be more into the vein of clone wars and something you wouldn't see on disney xd because i love those dc movies and if we get something like that with star wars uh, that'd be awesome yeah. Well, heck, if they were going to do something like that, I would rather have them do a proper series finale of Clone Wars. Oh, um, man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you that know, be number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, they're not going to bring it back as an ongoing show again. But if they're going to get into doing like direct to DVD and digital, you know, one shot movies and stuff like that, like, heck, do one about, you know, the backstory of Rex and Ahsoka and what they were doing when Order 66 went down. Like, I want to see yeah. that for sure. The Siege of Mandalore. Oh, I, I was about to say times. that. <laughs> I'm like, I, want, I need to see that too. Oh, man. Why yeah, hopefully. Just, like, that's that's the one I'm hoping for, the next medium they cross onto with uh, Lucasfilm, and, you know, how much they're expanding into different ter- territories and getting more Star Wars content out there. If they get into that animated movie realm, bah, I'll be one happy camper. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why can't we clone Dave Filoni and have him working on like five different Star Wars animated projects at once? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say, too. If they're going to get like put out a Star Wars direct to movie line, I'd want Dave Filoni in charge of that. But again, you know, they would probably still want an animated series going out at the same time. And we want Dave Filoni to be in charge of that. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you can't be involved with everything. So, 
Yeah, I mean, not that there aren't other, you know, great animators out there that could, uh, you know, do a great job with it too, but it's just like, you know, it's always a little scary when you bring on somebody new to tackle a big Star Wars project, and it's like, well, we know this guy can handle it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, in regards to that Poe Dameron comic, I'm hope also hoping too, where it's just the start of other characters from The Force Awakens that will maybe not get ongoing comics like Poe Dameron is, but at least some miniseries, because... Mm-hmm. Man, they set up this great new era of Star Wars that we saw with Episode Seven, and every time we see it, you just want to learn more and more about these characters and the state of the galaxy. And so, I'm just glad this is our first step into getting, you know, more content from that era. And you know, there's going to be more coming. So, yeah, it all starts in April. Actually, I think it would be really cool to have like a Han and Chewie comic series, yeah, uh, about them like hunting Rathars and their dealings with, you know, Kanja Club and the the Guavian death gang and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know exactly. It'd be perfect for that. Yeah. It's kind of, see, you know, see like once Han gets the Falcon stolen, then what does he do? Yeah. So yeah, see his reaction from that. That'd be something really cool. And if only there was another character who was short chains of the force awakens that can be expanded more in a comic series. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> oh, you're talking about like seeing a young Maz Kanata meet with Yoda. <laughs> well, I guess that'd be cool too. But or yeah. uh, or or the origin of Snoke—that's what you're getting at, probably. <laughs> oh, actually, no, no, no. Uh, an, a a political comic about General Hux rising through the ranks of the First Order. <laughs> and on the along the way, he meets this young female cadet who rises above the ranks and becomes captain of the First Order. But yeah, I don't think we're <laughs> going to get that anytime soon. <laughs> well, possibly. I mean, she is another character that could be you know, ripe for, uh, you know, for, for doing her own comic series. I would see that maybe as more of like a one shot kind of, or not a one shot, but like a mini series. Um, you see what I think is going to happen as much as I'd want to see a captain phasma comic story as soon as possible. And before episode eight, I'd probably think we'll get one kind of close to maybe a month or two before episode eight comes out, maybe showing how she gets out of the trash compactor and mm-hmm. escapes star killer base. And oh, that could up work for rolling episode eight. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to know her backstory though, too. So hopefully we get those. Well, details. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is they could do one like taking place before episode seven, but I just wouldn't see it being like that much of a long ongoing thing because we don't really get to see much of her in the movie anyway. Um, it's like we kind of still got to wait to episodes eight and nine and see like how important and how fleshed out is this character really going to be? Cause you don't want her to have like a tiny role in the movie and then have like this long ongoing comic series. Um, you know, we don't, don't want her to be like the new Quinlan boss. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, <laughs> but you know, it's like, um, I don't know. You wouldn't want the the comics to like hype it up and be like, "Oh, she has this really cool backstory, and you know, this is really awesome character." And then in episode eight, she still only has like five minutes of screen time. <laughs> See, her the expectations for Captain Phasma for episode eight can only go up now because they're going to be set really low <laughs> after her, her appearance <laughs> as a Force Awakened. So there's no way she could be in any less. <laughs> Hopefully, they uh, heard the fan outcry and how disappointed they were with her presence in there. So yeah, well, I think. Yeah, I think she has to have a more important role in episode eight, because if they were going to bring her back just to do the same amount of stuff, I mean, she's more or less like disposable in episode seven. Like if they're just going to have her, you know, limit her to that small of a role again, you might as well just say she died when, 
you know, yeah. she got thrown in the trash compactor and then the planet exploded. Um, I mean, I still don't know how she made it out. Like she could have hitched a ride with general Hux and Kylo Ren on, you know, whatever ship they left on. But you know, who had time to go digging and get captain Phasma out of the trash compactor while the planet was falling apart, you know? How about this? She stole away on the Millennium Falcon. She's in the smuggling compartments, and Chewie and Ray don't know she's there, and she's on the planet that Luke is on. <laughs> and huh. That's where she comes back. <laughs> She'd be kind of screwed, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know she's supposed to be awesome, and she's got some awesome-looking armor and everything, but Phasma against Luke, Ray, Chewie, and R2? Like... Yeah, we saw That's already way Chewie outmatched Antler, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Chewie could take her out all on his own, as he already saw. Well, yeah, that is true, and <laughs> that's one of the things that cracks me up every time when he just like roars and tackles her. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we said this when we did our review episode, but who would have thought that awesome shot of her walking down that <laughs> corridor in that trailer led up to that moment when Chewie right. just tackled her? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Phasma. You're going to make me a proud fan in episode eight. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) We can only hope. Yes, we can. Um, Also, we've got some new details about this novel. uh, Did have a new Republic title on it at some point, but now it's just called Star Wars Bloodline, it looks like, uh, by Claudia Gray, who also wrote uh, Lost Stars. Um, And the, the synopsis for this is pretty interesting. It sounds like it's going to focus a lot on Leia, um, on in the time in between episode six and seven, and obviously have some family, um, you know, ties and stuff going on. I'm sure we'll see Luke and Han and Ben all play pretty prominent roles in the novel, but it sounds like it's going to focus even more on um, just her role within uh, the New Republic and the Resistance and just sort of the state of the galaxy and all that kind of stuff. So, um, if you weren't satisfied already with the little tidbits of information we've been given about sort of the political state of the galaxy in between episode six and seven, it sounds like this is going to be um, the book that you want to read. Um, and also, like I said, just, you know, having something to, uh, or a story to read about Leia and, um, you know, the other main characters and just kind of getting to know more about them in that time period as well, I think is going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm super excited for this book. I mean, I was already excited for it when it was first announced because Claudia Gray was the author and I love Lost Stars. That was just might be my favorite book out of the new canon stuff. And the fact that she's going to do a full-fledged novel now, which kind of makes it sound like her Lost Stars wasn't a full-fledged novel when it was over 500 pages. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say that, but it's not being billed as a young adult novel. But So I was already excited for that, but now knowing that it is going to involve Leia set in this time period and... You know, the fact that it's called Bloodline, know it's going to deal with the Skywalker family and her relationship with Han and Ben. But what also has me super excited is that on the cover, you see Darth Vader in the background. And I loved how Claudia Gray describes it in the interview um, with USA Today, who broke the story about the details on the book. Um, She says, I find myself remembering the episode one poster where you see the boy Anakin with Vader's shadow stretching out behind him. In this book... We found out just how far Vader's shadow falls. Yeah, like immediately I'm hooked on it (laughs) with those words (laughs) right there. I mean, just the legacy that Darth Vader left and how his action is still having an impact. Probably not just on Leia and her family, but just on the galaxy as a whole. So, yeah, I'm super excited for it. And there is an excerpt from it on USA Today on their website. But 
I really don't like to read excerpts before I read the book. I kind of like reading everything all at once once I get the book. So I haven't read it yet, and I'm just gonna you know wait till I get the full novel in my hand and start reading it all together. But I'm excited for it. Yeah, same here. Um, and even talking about like the the influence of Vader's shadow and everything, I wonder if even though Kylo Ren isn't the the main character of this book, I wonder if we'll start seeing how. Um, you know, sort of like that influence on the, the young Ben Solo. And um, I mean, we know, you know, you hear Han and Leia say in the movie, like he had too much Vader in him. And it's easy to to imagine him just sort of having some of those same um, character traits that Anakin had. But also, you know, I'm, I just really want to know more about like, you know, how did he learn about you know, Vader and, you know, the fact that he was his grandfather and just sort of this whole family legacy. And then what was it about that, that sort of drew him to the darker side of it? You know, what made him want to be, um, you know, less like Luke and more like Vader. Yeah. Um, but I think from what I read, this is going to take place. It says a few years, but I thought I read somewhere. It's going to be about six years before the force awakens. So I'm kind of thinking when we get the story, Kylo Ren's already going to be gone. And with Snoke, and or with the Knights of Ren, and probably Luke's going to be missing already. So I'm kind of thinking we're just going to get Leia's thoughts on you know the situation that happened. Maybe it's not going to be the main focus of it, but there'll be certain moments in the book where we hear Leia reflect on what happened to Ben and when mm. Luke went missing and Han separating from her. So I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I can't wait to see that stuff one day, whether it's going to be in a novel or some something else down the line, but. I don't necessarily think we're going to get into this book, but if we just get little hints and Leia's feelings and thoughts on everything that went down, I mean, that's going to be good enough for me for a while anyway, till they're ready to release the full-fledged story of what happened to Kylo Ren. If we get little hints and pieces here and there, that should be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely not expecting this to, to, to be the full-fledged story of it. Um, if anything, I mean, if that would come out in a novel, it would be a novel about Kylo Ren. Um mm. Or, I mean, maybe it'll be one of those things where we never get, like, a story just about that, but that we just get the pieces of it from all these other different stories. Um, but still, I mean, I would love to see that be the focus of its own story at some point. But I'm just hoping that from this story we get a little bit more information about that. Yeah, and I think we will, too. And I probably, if I had to guess, I would say that if we ever get that full-fledged Kylo Ren story, how he fell to the dark side, they'll probably say it for after episode nine, once his story is completed in this trilogy, in this trilogy, then we'll be able to go back kind of like the same with Darth Vader. We got, we finished his story in the original trilogy. Then we got uh, the origins of how he became Darth Vader in the prequel trilogy. So maybe we'll be the same for Kylo Ren. Once the sequel trilogy wraps up, oh, they're going to drive me nuts making me wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> But like you um, said before, it should, it's only about four more years to 2020, so... <laughs> that is true, which is kind of a scary thought, but... Yes, it is. Know. I don't like thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, dang, we're going to get old. Um, but anyway, so that's the uh, the books and the novels and all that good stuff. Um, also, uh, later this month on February 21st, there's going to be this wonderful World of Disney TV special. And as part of that TV special, Harrison Ford will be uh, presenting some more details about the plans for um, Disney's, you know, Star Wars theme park expansions. Um, so I'm thinking we might actually finally get, well, hopefully it won't be just like a 
you know, tiny little bit of information, but if it's a, a substantial amount of stuff, I'm thinking maybe they'll actually tell us like exactly what rides are going to be there and what attractions and things like that. Um, or, you know, maybe get like a, a sort of map layout of what it's going to look like. Um, but you know, that'll be pretty exciting as well. Um, obviously nothing to get too excited about right now. Cause even if they tell us everything about it, it's still going to be at least another couple of years before we actually get to go and experience that. But um, you know, still just something to keep an eye on, um, if you're excited about that theme park stuff and want to find out more about it. Um, so yeah, might have to tune in just for that and, uh, see what's going on at Star Wars land. Yeah. I mean, any little info is going to be cool to get. I just hope it's not going to be the same old concept art that they already showed at D23. Yeah. We've got Harrison Ford there to talk about this stuff. You want to show something big, so. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's gotta be something substantial. Yeah, even if it's new concept art of other stuff they have planned, just hope it's details on stuff we haven't heard about just yet. And if yeah. we get like little sneak peeks of stuff like simulation of maybe of a ride, that'd be pretty cool. Ooh. But I don't know if they'd want to reveal that just yet. But yeah, <laughs> nope. probably not. I don't. I don't think they would even have that ready yet. Um, yeah, probably. But you never know. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it would be like in sort of the previs you know, concept kind of stage. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, we got that little teaser video of like the Jakku level from Star Tours, um, but that was, you know, like a couple months before it came out, not a couple of years, obviously. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting to really see any footage or anything like that. But if they do have that stuff, awesome. Um, yeah, but yeah, that it should is, be. Uh... On February 21st, so yeah. don't have to wait too long for that either. No, not at all. Um, also, they're bringing back Star Wars in concert sometime this year. Um, there haven't really been any concrete details on that yet, but if you've bought the Force Awakens soundtrack, you know there was a little uh, card or slip of paper in there or something talking about it. Um, and you can go to the website. I think it's just StarWarsInConcert.com or something like that. Um but that also doesn't have any info on like tour dates or anything like that yet. It's basically just like an announcement page saying that it's coming back later this year. And you can, I think, fill out a form and like put in your email address to sign up for like the newsletter or to um, get notified when they do release more information and come out with the tour dates and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, again, not really much to go on right now, but it's cool to know that they're bringing it back. I got to see it back when they did it in gosh i don't even remember what year it was but uh 2009 um, is when it first it's the first round of its tour okay yeah maybe it was that sounds about right um but i mean it was really cool obviously um and i would love to go see it again especially if and i i don't think this is even an if because you know they got to do this um you know add in new sections with the music from the force awakens and stuff like that yeah yeah You know, again, like we were talking about earlier with like what are going to be sort of the standout tracks that end up being added into, you know, compilations and stuff like that. Um, I think for Star Wars in concert, obviously they're going to do Ray's theme, if nothing else. Um, but I would also love to see them do um, the the March of the Resistance. And then even may, I think the Jedi Steps might be a good way to end it because I was thinking yeah. like <laughs> the, you know, episodes one through six, like you can do sort of the, the concert presentation of that and it tells the complete story from beginning to end. Well, now you tack on episode seven at the end and it kind of leaves you hanging because, you know, there's obviously much more to the story and those characters sort of haven't quite 
realized their destiny yet. So there's not quite, you know, the finality of, um, you know, the music from the end of Return of the Jedi as they blow up the second Death Star and Luke is, you know, burning Vader on the funeral pyre and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think to... So, you know, I, I was thinking maybe with, like, Ray's theme or something, they could mix that in in the middle somewhere. Um, but also, I think if they're going to put Episode Seven stuff at the end, then ending it with the Jedi steps would just be sort of a perfect way to... Um, you sort of leave it on a cliffhanger, but in a good way in the sense that, you know, hey, now Luke is back and, you know, there's this new generation of heroes and the saga continues. Um, <laughs> yeah, they should put that tagline at the very last <laughs> shot on yeah. the screen that they have on there. <laughs> um, although it's just kind of hard to picture how they would do it in, you know, how they would like show the footage to that music. Because a lot of, you know, with, with all these pieces, they would always show like the montages and stuff. Um, and show, you know, a bunch of clips from the different movies and stuff like that. But with the Jedi steps, I'm like, I can't picture them putting anything to that other than just that last scene of, you know, Luke up on the mountaintop turning around. Mm -hmm. um, kind of what I hope <laughs> is that maybe it'd be cool if they do like a medley of all the final themes for all the movies. That you know, would be really cool. The too. episode one parade theme song and then it ends with the Jedi steps would be pretty cool, I think. That would be all those pieces sweet, are yeah. music are great for that end the Star Wars movie, so yeah, why not just use that to end the whole concert? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like those are always, you know, some of my favorite tracks off of the soundtracks. Um especially well, especially all three of the ones from the original trilogy. Um, I mean the Yavin Throne Room medley and the Rebel Fleet end title from uh Empire Strikes Back and then um the uh not yub nub but the no, you know, yeah. the, the victory march or whatever from uh the special edition at the end of return of the jedi um are all just you know some of my favorite pieces so yeah i would not cool i would not complain if they mashed all those together at the end yeah totally and like you said i totally expect them to put some episode seven music in there even if it's just one or two songs and maybe they might have to cut out some of the other pieces that were in the first go around of star wars in concert i mean if they got rid of the uh the, there was one that had to deal with the droids and r2 and 3po walking on the dune sea on tatooine but then that led into the cantina music so that was cool but mm -hmm. if they could replace that first part of it and then put in some episode seven stuff i think it'd be fine I and mean, you wouldn't lose too much but yeah yeah just the fact that they're bringing star wars concert back i mean just tell me where it's playing in the LA area and I'll be there because I saw it twice the first go around and it was awesome both times. And the second time I got to go, I was actually at front row seats and man, oh, talk nice. about an awesome experience seeing Anthony Daniels right there, but then being that close to the screen too. Yeah. It was an awesome star Wars experience and I can't wait to do it again. So hopefully we'll get more info on the tour dates pretty soon. Yeah. Hopefully that'll be pretty soon here. Um, and of course we'll, you know, be reporting on it, I'm sure, and retweeting it and all that kind of stuff as soon as it does come out. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. <clears throat> all right, and then the last thing we've got to talk about, um, obviously there's been a lot of big stuff going on with Star Wars Rebels. Um, the second half of Season 2 just started, I think, what, like three weeks ago? We've had like mm -hmm. three or three new episodes since the break now. Um, but, the, I mean, you know, we could talk about the episodes that have aired, but the thing I mostly just wanted to talk about with this was that trailer that they put out um, before okay. <laughs> before the episodes came back. That episode, or that trailer that uh, 
you know, just previewed the second half of season two. In fact, when we first saw that trailer, that was the first time where I was like, okay, now we need to get back and record a new episode and talk about this. Um, and obviously, you know, here we are three weeks later, but oh, well, life happens. Um, <laughs> uh, this trailer but, is worth the wait to talk about, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two words, Darth Maul, or or should I say Old Masta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, just to go back a little bit, when the day before, Dave Filoni sent a tweet out, hey, a new Rebels trailer is dropping soon, but I just want to warn you, there's going to be spoilers. And I'm all, oh, man, if Dave Filoni is actually warning us about a trailer having spoilers, you know it's going to be good. (laughs) So all I kept thinking about that, it was a Thursday night, was, man, when is this trailer going to drop? Are we going to get it tonight? Am I going to have to stay up all night to keep checking for it? (laughs) But, yeah, it came uh, Friday morning. I believe, and man, yeah, it was worth the hype and the excitement I had for the day before because I was expecting to see the eventual Darth Vader and Ahsoka fight that we know this season's been leading up to, and I thought that was kind of be the big thing Dave was talking about as far as spoilers, and it turned out while we did get a lot of Vader stuff, there wasn't a lot of the Vader-Ahsoka fight. That was just the last shot of the trailer. Oh, yeah. Man, so much other stuff that I was not expecting, and biggest of all, like you said, Darth Maul. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw the trailer, I'm all, oh man, who is that? Is that Darth Plagueis? They doing Darth Plagueis? <laughs> <laughs> Old Master. I mean, and I I watched it on my phone for the first time, so I couldn't see all of his the you know trademark Darth Maul tattoo markings that he had on his face. So I, once I saw it again, it's thought, okay, yeah, it's obviously Darth Maul. But when I first saw, it, I was like, oh man, are they going down the Plagueis route? Are we actually going to get confirmation if he is or is not Snoke in Rebels? But (laughs) (laughs) that's not the case, but I'm more than happy that we're going to hopefully get the closure to Darth Maul's story. And just the fact that we know he is alive during this era is just so cool. And Mm -hmm. probably, uh, see, okay, I'll say second most anticipated episode is one where Darth Maul is going to be because the last one was Ahsoka and Darth Vader. That's still at the top of my list for what I can't wait to see. But mm-hmm. Darth Maul just an added bonus. Yeah, well, I'm wondering how many episodes this is going to be because it seems like it's probably all going to tie into the same story arc involving a lot of dark side, you know. I mean, we see a lot of stuff with, like, Sith holocrons and there's some sort of ancient chamber-looking thing with, uh, you know, some lightning going up in the middle. And it, it seems like it's just going to... Um, you know, there, there's going to be sort of a story arc at the end of the season that deals a lot with just sort of the, um, I don't know, some some mysteries of the dark side and that sort of thing. Um, and so I think that'll be where both Vader and Maul come into play. I don't know if Vader and Maul will ever cross paths themselves, um, but it Jeez, seems... Can you imagine that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that would be ridiculous. But I think that would kind of take away from the Vader and Ahsoka conflict. In fact, maybe we won't even get a resolution to Darth Maul's storyline this season. I mean, maybe it'll maybe he'll only encounter Ezra. Um, and who knows, he could even be, you know, maybe we'll find out that Darth Maul's actually long dead and he's just like some force apparition or something like that. But um, even if it is actually him, like... I don't know. I, I can't see Vader fighting him and Ahsoka like in the same storyline just because it would, mm. I don't know, might take away from the Vader-Ahsoka conflict a little bit to be like, hey, this is cool, but did you see that Vader fight with Darth Maul a second ago? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
so yeah, I mean, but I'm obviously very interested to see how that plays out. Um, and a lot of other cool stuff in there too, you know, Mandalorians, obviously, which we just saw in the Conquered Dawn episode, um, which was really good. Um, and you know, more stuff with, uh, Zeb and the Lasat, which was in last night's episode, which I haven't watched yet, but we'll get to that soon. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> and yeah, just, I mean, a lot of other awesome stuff, a lot of cool visuals of, you know, space and planets and, you know, some floating creatures and, um, you know, I mean, it just looks like they're, they're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff here. Also, I mean, again, going back to the Vader and Ahsoka conflict, maybe my favorite moment from the trailer um, might just have to be the part where you see Ahsoka like kneeling down and Vader's like coming up behind her and you yeah. hear her, you hear him talking to her in Anakin's voice. Oh, um, and I don't know if this is like a conversation that they're actually going to have, or if this is just going to be like a, a force vision that she's having, or if, you know, if we do something where like, Vader is talking in his own voice, but she hears it as Anakin's voice or something like that. But I, I don't know. But obviously, like, it was clearly Matt Lanter doing the voice of Anakin saying, like, Ahsoka, like, why did you leave? Do you know what I've become? Um, and almost making it seem like the reason that he turned to the dark side was because she left and, you know, yeah. that she's responsible for creating Vader, which I don't think is really fair to her because obviously, you know, he made the ultimate choice in the end to you know, to try to attain that dark power to save Padme. Um, but, you know, obviously Ahsoka leaving was, you know, a big deal for him as well and probably pushed him a little bit further down that path. Um, yeah, definitely played a part, especially in his mistrust for the Jedi. Too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, which was kind of well placed too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, when you look at the way that they treated her and, you know, they, they almost, or, you know, they, they, put her on trial for something that almost resulted in her getting the death penalty. And then when it turns out she's innocent and she comes back, Mace Windu's like, oh yeah, well, you know what we realized? This was actually your great <laughs> trial. And the Force wanted this to happen all along. Dude, I love the look Ahsoka gives him when he says that. Right. Like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, talk about a chill moment during that trailer. Like you said, not just seeing Darth Vader. And yeah, I agree where it looks like Ahsoka's having a vision, but hearing Matt Lantern as Anakin again, with seeing Darth Vader, that's just such a cool combination of audio and visual where you're seeing Darth Vader, but yet you're hearing Anakin Skywalker. And it was just so good. And I'm kind of in the line of thinking where, because I think they're Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka are going to go back to the Jedi Temple in Lothal and do some meditation there. Maybe they'll each have their own little Force vision. And I think Ahsoka is probably going to have hers while she's doing meditating. And it's just, you know, kind of the Force doing its thing where where it's not giving you directly the answers, but yet it's playing a little tricks on you where she's seeing Vader, but she's hearing Anakin's voice. So still were, maybe she's not too sure, but once she does hear that familiar voice is when she's going to find out, yeah, I'm, I got to accept that that presence I felt on the ghost when he was attacking Phoenix squadron was Anakin. So mm -hmm. I can't wait to see that realization when she does finally come to terms with that, because I know there's still been some debate whether or not, Ahsoka really knows Darth Vader's Anakin right now. I've always been in the camp where she does know, but she doesn't want to admit it and wants to be one hundred percent sure before she finally comes out and says it. Yeah, but, and I, I'm I, I feel the exact same way. I think <coughs> it, it's like you could almost say it's kind of akin to like Han when he sees. Uh, Kylo Ren like carrying Rey onto uh, you know onto the ship like when he's abducting her in, in the Force Awakens it's like 
that could have been somebody else because you didn't see his face under the hood, but like it looks like him. You know he's working with the bad guys. Like that was probably him. Mm. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing here. Even though she's just sensing his presence through the force, it's like, well, there was this really skilled pilot who we could tell was strong in the force and then suddenly i felt the presence of my old master as you know this monster or whatever and you know i i mean we don't know exactly what she saw or what she sensed but it could have been you know sort of a a jumble of things it could have been sort of unclear but at the same time you know it, it had to be somewhere between definite confirmation and very strong very bad feeling about this where like yeah. i think i know what's going on and you know i i either don't want to believe it or just like have to make sure i'm absolutely sure yeah i also can't wait to see uh, that moment where she's showing the hologram to ezra about An- of anakin and he's mm-hmm. really impressed he's all that you should have seen him in person i wonder too is that before she finds out or she's kind of making her way and revealing that to Kanan and Ezra. Like, does she know when she's slowly revealing it to them? Kind of curious uh, how that whole scene is going to play out into the context of the story. But it's just cool seeing Anakin again <laughs> in Rebels. And Dave Filoni even mentioned where he's not in his familiar Jedi tunic. He's actually he described it as, you know, Jedi training garb. But the real reason is they couldn't uh, animate his <laughs> Clone Wars costume mm-hmm. again because they spent so much money on Darth Vader's cape. <laughs> that right, so I, I guess it's more important to get Darth Vader right than a hologram of Anakin. But yeah. it was still cool to see him, and I can't wait for that conversation uh, Ahsoka has with Ezra and Kanan, and hopefully Rex too. I mean, I want Rex to be a big part of that as far as the reveal and acceptance of Anakin being Darth Vader to the whole crew. I mean, because maybe not as close as a relationship of ahsoka and anakin but rex was pretty close to him too and i would definitely feel he has to be involved in the lead up to what uh, the eventual confrontation is going to be but mm. i will say that line in the trailer where sabine just screams rex got me a little nervous <laughs> as far as if he's going to make it out of the season <laughs> i don't know i have a bad feeling about it i don't know that rex is going to make it out of this one alive and Man, if we lose both Rex and Ahsoka, geez, that's going to be a gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I didn't read too much into that. That was sort of my first instinct. I was like, oh, dang, what if he gets killed off just because she says that? And then I was like, eh, that's kind of ridiculous just to like assume he's going to die just because of one line of dialogue in the trailer. Um, but at the same time, he's barely like, fe- featured in this trailer, too. Yeah, but I mean, he's been kind of barely featured in the last few episodes, anyways. Yeah, um, so I like mean, I think saving it. I think we have one big moment. <laughs> yeah, I think we have seen more of Rex than we have of Ahsoka in this season, but he's still been kind of in and out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know because um, I mean, from the look of things in the trailer, it definitely seems like the confrontation between Vader and Ahsoka is going to be very much sort of steeped in the force and some sort of mystical thing where they're, you know, they're investigating like some dark side energy or a dark side artifact or something like that. Um, but I could also still kind of see a situation where like Rex and Ahsoka go to confront him together and like, how cool would that be? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to see Vader's reaction to both of them, man, that yeah. might be better than the fight actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, man, yeah, but... just get 
excited and chills thinking about the possibilities of that. Not just Vader's reaction, but Rex and Ahsoka's too. What are they going to say to each other? I mean, and how are they going to... Well, what's going to lead up to the fight? And what's going to happen to Rex? Is Vader going to kill Rex? Is Ahsoka going to you know, make it out of the her lightsaber fight with Vader? Ah, so many questions and just super excited to finally get in these answers that we've been waiting for since... Definitely when the Clone Wars ended, but even when the Clone Wars movie first came out and we knew Ahsoka was going to be Anakin's apprentice. So, mm-hmm. and especially too, once she showed up in Rebels and know that she survived up until that point. So all this stuff is leading up to this big moment that we've been waiting years for. And I know for a fact that Dave Filoni and crew are going to deliver on something special here. They're not yeah. going to let us down with something as big as this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I was just cracking up because you were talking about, you know, thinking about how that confrontation is going to go down. And suddenly I pictured, Rex and Ahsoka walking up to Vader and Rex whipping out a stun baton and yelling, Traitor! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's what starts the whole uh, trickle-down effect among Stormtroopers with that classic line out. Yeah, but man, obviously, I mean, I hope the whole rest of the season is good, but even if it's not, like, we know that we're in store for just an epic confrontation at the end of it. So, um, much to look forward to for the rest of the season of Rebels. Yeah, we didn't even touch upon the Jedi Temple cards again and the interaction yeah. that Kanan has with them and that Jedi dojo, which looks really Not to cool. mention Ezra's vision of Yoda. Yeah, um, <laughs> Where, you know, he's going to hear Yoda's voice talking to him again, but this time actually see him. Um yeah. What do you think of his character design? Because that's been up uh, for debate <laughs> amongst fans as you far know, as how it looks. I wasn't really a fan of it when I first saw it. And the more I watched the trailer, the more I'm like, eh, I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, it fits with the Rebels aesthetic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's funny. It's more the voice that I think about now when I'm watching it. Because um, the first time I saw the trailer, I was like... I, I honestly had like a little split second moment because I'm so used to hearing Tom Kane as the voice of Yoda when it comes to like the animated stuff um, yeah. where, you know, Yoda starts talking. I'm like, that sounds a little bit different. Who is that? Oh, duh. That's Frank Oz, the original <laughs> voice of Yoda. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm kind of in the same boat where it's definitely not the best looking Yoda model that we've seen, but in the context of the show, I think it'll work okay. And Dave Filoni kind of explained too, where Ezra doesn't know what Yoda looks like, so probably through the Force he's able to get some type of visual representation of him, but it's not going to be dead on. Eh, that seems like a little bit of a cop out for we didn't make that good of a Yoda model, <laughs> but you made a better one than George did in Episode One, so I'll give you a pass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I love the fact too that Dave Filoni always always has an in universe explanation. <laughs> type of questions that come up but yeah yeah, in the end i think it's just going to be a cool moment or maybe moments for the episode who knows uh, what it's going to be but i see i think when ahsoka is having her vision and she hears anakin's voice this is probably what ezra's having the discussion with yoda Mm -hmm. and maybe kanan's is with that jedi temple guard and he's taken into like an old jedi dojo temple so Maybe it could play out totally different, but right now that's how I'm piecing the those sequences yeah. together. Well, when except, I mean, even if Kanan's scene with those temple guards is just a meditation, we know those guys are actually real because there's another scene with the Inquisitors fighting them. Yeah, and that's there's like true. a whole circle of them that are like closing in <laughs> on the Inquisitors. 
Um, How are the Inquisitors going to make it out of that? I mean, the only way is Darth Vader comes and wipes out those Jedi yeah. Temple guards. Um, although we also know that um, there's a third Inquisitor in this trailer that we don't really know yeah. much about yet, but there is going to be another new one. Um, and, of course, the, the fanboy in me is hoping, like, oh, please let it be Starkiller. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I actually haven't seen it myself or like free freeze frame the trailer and go by it shot by shot. But I've heard there are shots in there where you can kind of see his feet are a little alien. It's almost like it's it's hoof like. I think I've heard the description of it. So it's going to be a new type of alien creature. That's so going to be this Inquisitor. And who knows if we even get his mask <laughs> taken off when we get to see what his his face is under it. But hmm. just the fact that we're getting another one. I mean. They're probably getting pretty desperate since the fifth brother and seventh sister obviously aren't getting the job done, and they got to bring in a third one. But yet Vader still has to get involved. I have a feeling at least the fifth brother and the seventh sister they aren't going to make it out of this season like the Grand Inquisitor did in season one. Oh, probably not. Okay, I'm fast forwarding the trailer to that shot again because I have freeze framed this before, but I haven't really looked at his feet. Um. Ah, oh, dang it. Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Inquisitor. Because <laughs> I've heard that description where it was... Because people were speculating if it was going to be Barris and Or, you know, like you were saying, maybe someone like Starkiller or someone else we're familiar with. But then the counter-argument was always that, no, this feat looks like it's an alien. So it's probably going to be some type of alien species that we probably haven't seen before in the series yet. But I never got a chance to you know confirm it for myself and do a shot by shot comparison of it it's hard to tell because i can't get the the little bar at the bottom of the youtube window to go away to see his feet Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um like i've got it paused right now on the shot and there's literally a red line going right across his feet and i can't get it to go away how convenient it does kind of look like it could be kind of alien but it's hard to tell but anyway um oh yeah i think he does have alien looking feet they're not really hoof like but it looks like he's got like a a big toe like coming out the back okay like you never um, know they could have changed star killer to an alien (laughs) eh, well i'd kind of rather it just be a new character if they're going to do something like that um (laughs) But the other thing, I mean, the thing that got me thinking about that was, like, his helmet kind of looks like the, kind of looks like Starkiller's helmet from, like, the dark side ending of Force Unleashed, where he kills Vader and then sort of takes over as the Emperor's new Enforcer. Uh-huh. Um, it, it just reminded me a lot of that. So I was like, oh, it could be. Um, but that's probably just wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, they probably don't want to use Starkiller because they just can't get his voice actor to do any work for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like he's playing two of the other major villains on the show or anything. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so hard to get a hold of. Yep. Um, but anyway, so yeah, like we said, lots of exciting stuff there coming up with Star Wars Rebels. Um, and obviously, you know, with the movies and the comics and everything as well. Um, and before we sign off here, Tim, I know you, uh, wanted to talk about some fan mail and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we got one email with a question from Dane. He says to us, here's a quick question for you guys. 
How would you feel if this trilogy of Star Wars movies ended on a depressing final note? Instead of a big celebration after beating the bad guys, what if this trilogy ends with the Resistance losing the big fight, and for this specific trilogy of films, all the hope they had is lost, and there is no one who's going to come out, come and save the day? Would you guys react positively or negatively if it did end up that way? And this is kind of going back to what we are talking about before, maybe how uh, they were going to wrap up the trilogy, and if they were going to make more afterwards. That's kind of how I'm going to view it. If they say beforehand, Episode Nine is it for the Skywalker saga and the episodic numbers of Star Wars, then I would have wanted to end on this uh, depressing bad note that Dane said in the email. Because in the end, you want it to be a happy one for Star Wars. It's a, it's good to get those uh, downbeat, depressing endings in the middle of it, like with Episode Three. And if they were going to continue with Episode Ten, Eleven, Twelve down the line then I'd probably be more okay with it because for the most part, those darker movies tend to be some of the better ones as we've seen with Empire and Revenge of the Sith. So it wouldn't be a bad thing, but if that was like the final end of the story, then I would want it to be more on a happy note. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, although I still, I wouldn't really want the whole movie to end on a depressing note. If we're talking like final scene, um, I mean, obviously, like, Revenge of the Sith is probably, like, the most dark and depressing movie out of the whole saga, and yet the final scene and, you know, the, just that last shot is still pretty hopeful and, mm. you know, more optimistic, and so, um, you know, I wouldn't want the movie to just end on a shot of, like, the Jedi Temple burning or something like that, like, that would suck, um, so, you, you know, you'd want to leave, leave at least a little bit of hope in there somewhere, Um now, like you said, it kind of depends on where they're going with the movies after that. If they're going to end, like if episode nine ended or if the the movie itself was like, you know, depressing and stuff, it would be like, well, OK, but there's going to be episode 10. Um, and, you know, the, the next trilogy, the heroes will just have to like get out of this hole that they've dug themselves into. Um, but if that was going to be like the if that was going to be the end of the series, um the end of the saga if it was only going to be nine movies. Um, I would definitely be okay with it being, you know, like, like somewhat depressing. Like if we lose a major character who like, you know, sacrificed themselves to like help win the battle or something. Um, but I wouldn't want it to end obviously on just like the first order winning and destroying everything. And it's like, Oh, that's it. Gotta go home. We lost. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that I, I'd be pretty disappointed with that. Yeah, it's like the dark side ending for like Knights of the Republic or <laughs> the Force of Leeds, something like that, where the bad guys win and there's just no hope <laughs> yeah. for the galaxy afterwards. Yeah, which, and it, you know, it's always fun to play those alternate endings in video games and stuff, but for movies, it's just like, yeah, that's not that satisfying. Exactly, especially if it is, like I said, the last one of the whole Skywalker saga. Yeah. You don't want it to end that way. Like exactly. the legacy of. The Chosen One bringing balance to the Force has to end on a good note. <laughs> Even if it's not directly Anakin, his offsprings, I would like to know where it ends on the good side for them. Yeah. And we also don't want it to end with, like, all the Jedi and all the Sith kill, or, you know, all the Dark Side users, like, kill each other. And then it's like, well, now there's balance because there's none left. Yeah, like, the Force comes out of existence because there's no one left to use it. <laughs> Something yeah. like that for the Dark Side or the Light Side. Now that would not be a happy ending. That's for darn sure. <laughs> That'll continue on the next movies. How do we bring the force back? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I 
probably would bet that Disney's not going to end it that way when oh, it's all yeah, said definitely. and done. So, yeah, it's definitely an intriguing question to think about, though, if they would actually consider doing that. But I think it all mainly from the marketing standpoint is where you have to kind of really base your thinking on as far as what they have planned for the future of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. And we know there's going to be more, but just whether or not it's episode 10 and continuing the Skywalker saga is the question that we're probably going to be asking until we get to episode nine. So yeah, that's probably going to be the main question when the press tour for episode nine for like Kathleen Kennedy, like, Mm -hmm. is there going to be more than this? Is that it? (laughs) What's the, what's next for the Skywalker? I wonder if she's going to pull a George and like, Nope, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Skywalker saga. I, I would be very, very surprised if they end it with episode nine. I think they're going to keep this thing going as long as they can. Just like I said, I hope they just take breaks in between each trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm hoping for. But if I'm, you know, 80 years old and going to see episode 27, like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, man, episode 27. <laughs> We're still getting used just to the seven, but 27, man. <laughs> but also, too, over the course of the month after The Force Awakens came out, I put over, put out on Twitter some polls to kind of get uh, feedback from the people who've seen the force awakens and some of their favorite things about the movie. So want to give out some of those results for some of the questions I asked on there. And the first one I asked was what was your favorite track from the force awakens soundtrack? And the choices I put on there were race theme, the Jedi steps, March of the resistance. And only because on Twitter, you can only put four choices. I just put other on there because I know there was more than four tracks that stood out to people from the soundtrack. So, but no surprise race theme won at 61% followed by the Jedi Steps at 21, and then March of the Resistance at 12, and other is 6%. So I'm kind of curious to what were those other tracks people liked. And then for a second question, I put, what was your favorite new planet from the film? Uh, Jakku won with 41%, and then we had Takodana with 24, and also Starkiller Base had 24, so that and Takodana were tied. And I still don't know the correct pronunciation of this, is it? Decor, decor, for the resistance-based planet, that got 11%. And then for the favorite action sequence in the movie, the Jakku village at the beginning got 8%. The Falcon chase on Jakku got 25%. The Battle of Takodana got 30 And then the final battle on Starkiller Base between Ray, Finn, and uh, Poe Dameron on the attack on Starkiller Base against Kylo Ren, that got 37%. And then also I put your favorite new hero character, and by far <laughs> the most popular <laughs> one was Ray, who got 61%, followed by BB-8 with 21%, Poe Dameron at 10%, and surprisingly Finn only got 8%, which, I don't know, I think it was as low as 4 at one point. We even got a comment from someone saying, I was going to vote for Ray, but man, I got to give some love for Finn. <laughs> He's pretty low, so that one was surprising to me. Yeah. And then for a favorite villain character... Shocker who won this one, but <laughs> Kylo Ren, 79%, followed by Captain Phasma and General Hux, who had 8%, and then Snoke, 5%. How much? Per, how many people voted for Matt the Radar Technician? <laughs> you know what? If I put this out after that, I bet he would have gotten the most votes. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, man, that was a great skit. <laughs> we didn't talk about it before, but that was a pretty... I don't want to say big moment, but a highlight, I guess, of the Force Awakens run was that Saturday Night Live skit with Adam Driver doing that yeah. 
undercover uh, base star yeah. killer or undercover <laughs> boss star killer base edition. Well, that was fantastic. If anyone hasn't seen that yet, you owe it to yourself to check that out. Yep, it's on YouTube and everything. Go check that out for sure. Guaranteed laughs. <laughs>, <That's> <laughs> for sure. And then the final poll question I put on there was who was out of all the original trilogy characters, which one made the biggest impression on you when you saw them again? And uh, only two uh, choices were this one Han and Chewie, 60, 66% one. Followed by Luke with 34%, but then Leia and R2-3PO got 0%. So it was all about Han, Chewie, and Luke. Mm-hmm. Which I expected Han and Chewie to win, but I thought Leia would get something. And even R2, because he got a big cheer from pretty much all the screenings I saw The Fourth Awakens. So I thought he would have gotten more than zero. But Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of cheated by putting Han and Chewie together as the same option, like... Well, you they're can't, together you most can't of the beat movie, that. And I, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I only had four spots, so I had to combine <laughs> two. And it was R two and three PO and Han and Chewie made the most sense to combine them. So <laughs> just wanted to get them all on one choice. Yeah, but, but like, I don't know. I, if I were that big of a fan of Leia, I might have liked seeing her more than Han or Chewie. But Han and Chewie together, like, nah, you can't beat that. Except maybe <laughs> with Luke. Yeah, um, which got the other percentage of the votes. Yeah, but I'm more <laughs> excited to see Luke in episode eight and actually, you know, see him teaching Ray about the Force and all that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, I liked seeing him again in this movie, but by the time we got to the end, it was like, oh, we know it's just going to end with her, you know, finding Luke, and he's probably not even going to say anything. Yeah, but still, seeing that moment of seeing Luke again was pretty big, and yeah, it. Definitely allowed a lasting impression on me you know, all the times I see it. So I could definitely see how people would vote for that as far as the moment of seeing the original trilogy character, which had the biggest impression on him. So oh, yeah, definitely, definitely can understand that. Yeah, no, it's it's up there for sure. But I mean, between, like you said, the fact that this is easily the, you know, Chewie's defining moment um, or, you know, his his best uh, appearance in any movie. Um, just in terms of like the amount of screen time he gets and the amount of action scenes and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, that's not how the force works. Like I would vote (laughs) for Han just because of that. But, you know, I mean, so many great moments with his character too. Um, you know, telling Finn and Ray about the force and how he knew Luke and, you know, telling him all these old stories and everything. I mean, that was just so great. So, yeah, definitely not a surprise he won or Han and Chewie won, yeah. but it's just the zeros that I found surprising for Leia and R2. Yeah. But, uh, thanks for everyone for taking part in these polls. It was fun putting those out over the course of the month and getting people's reactions on what they thought of the movie. And at least from the main character standpoint, it seems like, at least for me anyway, we're all kind of on the same page as far as who our favorite characters were in those different categories. So cool to get that feedback in probably would want to do more of these type of polls not just for the force awakens but maybe other star wars topics down the line because it was pretty fun to get this feedback and then interacting with uh, some of the listeners on twitter about the different choices they would make mm. and one thing i was going to ask you too um just because of out of, out of all those polls there was one that was kind of close and that was the one about the uh the action scenes so which one of those would be your favorite uh the final battle i mean i i know i said before the final assault on star killer base with the x-wings Probably not my favorite, but there's no denying that last lightsaber fight between Ray and Kylo Ren and Finn and Kylo Ren. When you put those two together, it's just awesome. And you can even say that X-Wing battle adds to that. But for me, I just would have loved it. That whole final sequence was just that fight and 
maybe seen a little more with that because it was just so I hardly use the word epic because <laughs> I think it's overused, but that was pretty epic, especially how it started, how it ended with the planet breaking apart and then the ground mm. splits between Kylo Ren and Rey. Just so many things going on with it, not just from an action level, but from a dramatic level too and everything that's gone on. I mean, I said before too, the biggest uh, cl- crowd pleaser moment was when Rey takes that lightsaber with the Force. Yeah. That, that's that moment being my favorite too. There's so much good stuff going on in that final sequence. Yeah. Man, it is hard to pick one. I mean, they're all so good. But I think just for the sake of picking a different one than you picked, I'm going to go with the Battle of Takodana. Just because every time I'm watching it, like every time I go see the movie and, you know, Han and uh, Finn and Chewie get captured by the stormtroopers and then they're like, we've got incoming and all the stormtroopers like rush off to you know, prepare for battle and you see the X-Wings coming in the distance and the music starts swelling up and then you hear the March of the Resistance and to see those X-Wings skimming across the water, I'm like bouncing on the edge of my seat with excitement every time going like, oh, yes, 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 they're coming. Yeah, and then especially that moment where Poe Dameron takes out, what, 10 TIE Fighters? I like think 10 it's 10. <laughs> yeah. That, that's probably the coolest... Uh, moment for Poe Dameron in the whole movie. That shows why he's the best freaking pilot in the galaxy, yeah. as you like to say. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those moments where it's like borderline cartoonish, like how good <laughs> he is and how many TIE fighters he takes out all at once. Like, you know, that that almost reminded me of something out of like the Clone Wars micro series where you'd see Anakin, you know, flying his starfighter and just like spin, fire 20 missiles and blow up like 50 ships. Um, but it does it's, match some of the fighter squadron uh, battles you've had on Battlefront where you take out I more wish. fighters than that <laughs> <laughs> but to take them all out that quickly like man that was ridiculous but it's just I mean like I said it's it's almost ridiculous but it's just so cool that I'm like man whatever I don't even care this dude's awesome exactly yeah and Finn's reaction is great too yeah, yeah. Like, anybody would have that reaction if they saw a pilot do that. Especially when they're saving your life in the process, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna... I was thinking about doing a question for, like, your favorite scene from the movies. Like, I'm just limited to four. There's no way I can list all of them. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I would, there are some obvious ones, but to get a good feel as far as what people thought were their favorites, it's, you're too limited with the Twitter poll <laughs> as far as only having four. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to do, like, best action scene, best funny scene, best dramatic scene. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. you can have your own You can have your own Oscars just for the Force Awakens movie. And yeah, all exactly. Categories like, there. you'd have to break it up into a bunch of separate, uh, you know, separate polls because you can't just do one for favorite scene and get enough scenes on there. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, still cool to get the responses I got for the questions I posted on there. So, look... Uh, look out for more in the future because it was fun mm. doing these ones. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of these days I'll remember to go on and post some myself. I remember we did a couple of those like way back when where you did like some, you know, it was just a random one. Like what's your favorite clone trooper helmet or something like mm. that. And I wanted to start doing a bunch with like lightsabers and spaceships and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah, obviously was... I haven't really gotten around to doing that, but it would still be cool to do some. Yeah, that was before they like that. incorporated that poll feature on Twitter. Which makes it easier to get oh, that, that's true. Uh, feedback from the people instead of like typing in responses and just click that button. And we yeah. can see the results on there. 
yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys for uh, you know for participating in the polls, for listening to the podcast, all that good stuff. Good to be back, uh, you know, talking more Star Wars now. Like I said, it was kind of nice to have a break for a little bit, but you know, now hopefully we'll uh, keep going with you know the Rogue One rumors and the Episode Eight rumors and the you know the Battlefront and the Rebels and all that good stuff, um, as well as you know any additional info on the Force Awakens that continues to come out. I'm sure once it comes out on Blu-ray, we'll do you know some in-depth breakdowns of the deleted scenes and special features and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, I think we're just about ready to call it a night for now. So thanks again for tuning in. As always, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and at Star Wars TSC on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out our website, starwarstsc.com, and you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and we'd love to you know always interact with you guys and uh get your feedback on you know all this awesome Star Wars stuff that we're talking about so feel free to uh, email us or contact us on social media with you know thoughts questions comments um, all that good stuff um, so again thanks for tuning in uh, we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody <laughs>